Talk Live. Welcome to Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. If you'd like to call in and get in on any of the conversations or bring up any new topic, that number is going to be 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie, Nikki, and Ian. So tonight, we're going to talk about Michigan now censoring you, well, more than censoring you, putting you in jail for five years. For hurting someone's feelings. That sounds bad. Sounds like a place that I would probably want to flee Mm. if I lived there right now. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons to flee from places like Michigan. I mean, especially if you are a libertarian activist, you should be here in New Hampshire. Luckily, that's still legal. One day it might not be legal. You mean leaving? Yeah, to leave a state. I mean, it was pretty close. Yeah, I was about to say it got pretty close there during COVID. It really did. Uh, It was some scary stuff. At that time, for sure. Okay, so, want to get right into it? Sure. Michigan's Democratic House passed legislation on Tuesday that enables attorneys to shut down hate speech. The new House Bill 4474 is a vague and unconstitutional censorship law that determines feeling threatened as reasonable grounds to prosecute offenders. Yeah, so what does hate speech even mean? Because normally it's things that are homophobic or anti-Semitic, things like that. But I mean, hate speech, I mean, it sounds very vague. That could really mean anything. You could say something I don't like and I'm 911, the jail. Same, the same thing got passed in Florida unanimously. I think the three of us talked about that. Maybe it's a different show, but... Um, Florida's House and Senate unanimously, all Republicans, all Democrats, voted in a bill that's very very similar to this one, that if somebody does an act that's already illegal, but hatefully, mm-hmm. then five years in jail. And uh, you're right, it's very vague, Nikki. It's kind of like thought crime, like going after thought crime. Yeah, I always thought that the Republicans were good on this particular issue. Uh, you know, and historically... They seem to have understood, and obviously this is not the case now, apparently, because as you said, it was, if not unanimous, nearly unanimous in the state of Florida, this uh, hate speech bill. I always thought the Republicans understood that hate crimes were a bad idea because essentially you're just punishing someone for a thought. You're punishing someone, oh, okay, well, it's it's in addition to, right? So like a, a hate crime isn't just saying something that you don't like or that somebody doesn't like. It's you're also vandalizing someone or you know a building or you're destroying somebody's property you're physically attacking a, a person or whatever and it's you're saying something at the same time or with the vandalization you're leaving a, a swastika or some other kind of uh, hateful message the idea that that should make a crime of property destruction worse than otherwise just you know painting all over somebody's building whatever it happens to be, uh, I think is is pretty ridiculous. And I always thought the Republicans got this one, but I guess they've now you know gone totally uh, politically correct, too. It's definitely a woke position that DeSantis is, uh, you know, all four went to Israel to sign and make a big deal out of it, saying, uh, you know, we're going to be, it, this is the most anti-anti-Semitism bill ever. Well, which is weird because it doesn't only talk about being anti-Semitic. It talks about like hate at all. But 
you know. But well, that, does that's it protect one. specific groups? Uh, like, for instance, if I were to commit some sort of act, whatever that crime might be, and say, I hate the government, would that also be included in the hate crime legislation? Are they a protected class? Because normally you think about, like, races of people or sexual orientations, genders, but is what you do for a living also something that can be hated and qualify you under uh, this statute? Sounds extremely unconstitutional. I mean, even if I mean, this this bill that passed is extremely unconstitutional. Well, yeah, I mean, it's completely against the First Amendment. Um, I mean, that's completely anti free speech. This is uh, from the Washington Examiner. I forgot to say from today. Says the punishment for making someone, quote, feel threatened in Michigan is five years in jail and a $10,000 fine. For making someone feel threatened? Yeah, I don't even know how you measure that. Well, okay, so there is the idea prior to this bill, I'm, I'm sure Michigan already had something about, you know, if you actually threaten someone, that that is, that is a crime, right? So... Uh, if I recall correctly, that is like the definition in some states of an assault. So you don't have to actually physically push somebody yeah, can or be verbal. physically harm somebody. It can be you have threatened that person to the point where they believe that you're going to do the thing that you're going to do. Uh, criminal threatening might be the, the terminology in, in some states where you haven't actually committed the act yet, but... You know, if you've said something like, I'm going to kill you or whatever that and it's and you're like, like if you're standing in front of somebody and they say, I'm going to kill you and then they start moving towards you, you know, how how long do you have to wait before you can pull a gun and blast that person? Right. Do you have to wait until their their hands are around your throat? Yeah, it depends on the state. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't give any legal advice here, but yeah, I would think that if you believe it. If you are feeling th- actually threatened, then you have the justification in, in some places to defend yourself prior to the act. Sorry. So, for, at least in Massachusetts, from what I've heard from certain gun owners, basically, if you're you know in a position where you're feeling threatened, you know someone breaks into your house and you think they're going to kill you, mm-hmm. you have to try every possible route of escape. Uh, like you essentially have to be backed into a corner. They mm-hmm. also need a gun or some weapon. Like they make it so difficult. Right. For you to defend yourself, and that was a reason why I never even wanted to carry a firearm in Massachusetts, because I'm like, if I do use it to defend myself... You just get into hotter water. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to go to jail, so what... That's crazy. Yeah, so that's that's one of you the know? states where it's a duty to retreat. Is yeah. That, is oh that right? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, so I'm supposed to jump out a from second story window. Yeah, from my own home. Somebody's broken yeah. into my home, and they want me to jump out a window or something mm-hmm. and possibly, you or know, harm them. Or just stay my... there and get, you know, attacked yeah. or You have a whatever. duty to not harm this person who's broken into your house and is screaming, I'm going to rape you or mm-hmm. kill you yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it's just, it's yeah. crazy. That's it's insane. ridiculous. And, and, and that is what, you know, it's places like that where people who are sane should not live. And I assume that Michigan already has laws against just criminal threatening, like typical ones, like you're mm-hmm. saying, but this goes a little bit above and beyond that. Okay, how's that? Says the problematic language about feelings can be found in the bill's definition of intimidation as, quote, willful course of conduct involving repeated or continuing harassment of another individual that would cause a reasonable individual to feel terrorized, frightened, intimidated, threatened, harassed, or molested. How do you feel molested? Well, I guess there's different definitions for that, but... Yeah, molestation is a physical act. That's what I thought. 
and that actually causes the victim to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened. Mm, I mean, yeah, that that's could, a big range. That could really mean anything. Yeah. Yep. Well, I felt terrorized because somebody called me. I don't know. It's hard for me. I'm a, I'm a white straight woman. I don't know. It, but still, like, also, could, if somebody calls you a name like, oh, you're ugly or whatever. Yeah. Is that grounds to go to jail for five years? Like, where where does it end? I mean, Twitter's already uh, censoring my friend who's a tranny every time she calls herself a tranny. Mm-hmm. So that's terrorizing. Know. Yeah, that's yeah. hate speech. She's been terrorizing the other trannies, you know. Oh, no, I was saying Twitter is terrorizing her. They're oh. uh, they're offending her or whatever. What was it? Terrorizing, uh, frightening, threatening, and frightening. Fright- molesting, was, was intimidating, <laughs> harassing, maybe? intimidating, intimidating. Yep. OK, harassing. Mm-hmm. Says any kind of discrimination against a minority or particular group of people is unacceptable and should be taken seriously. Michigan's new bill, which prosecutes based on feelings, does not take it seriously. Someone's subjective feelings or even a lie about his or her subjective feelings could land somebody jail time and ruin a life. Mm-hmm. That, and that's why I said, yeah, you can't you can't really pin down what hate speech is. But you also I mean, that's somebody else's thoughts. You also also can't really prove your own thoughts in, you know, in a way. You that, mean as far as whether you were yeah, feeling I was threatened? actually feeling threatened by mm-hmm. this person, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, did the person actually threaten you? Because if so, then you may actually have a case. But if it's just someone saying, I don't like gays, you know, on Twitter or whatever, or wherever these things are coming in, you get some sort of email. I'm literally or shaking. Something like that. Uh, look, uh, just get off the Internet. And, you know, if you can't handle having people say mean things, I mean, that that's just what happens online. And... You're never going to be able to stop it because there's always going to be that anonymity. Uh, The people who are stupid, I guess, will go ahead and get caught up in laws like this. But the people who have a modicum of intelligence and a lot of these like, you know, right wing 4chan types of people are very intelligent young people. Right. Like they Mm -hmm. know how to use a VPN. They know how to use Tor. They know how to uh, to cover their tracks and change you know they're not going to use their real name and they're going to give you a hard time on the internet and there's not going to be a damn thing you can do about it you can go file all the reports you want down at city hall or at the police department or whatever and they're not going to put i don't know how much time you expect that the police are going to put into investigating this but once they run into tor or some other kind of anonymizing service they're going to give up the the investigation at that point because it's going to go nowhere Hmm. And if you're some kind of a class that the police don't care to help, like libertarian, mm-hmm. it, I don't even think of trying to use this uh, bill. For, I mean, a, a libertarian would. I was use about this to say, I hope they wouldn't. Someone. Anyways, but you know, if they, if you're some kind of class that the cops don't care about, I, I just thought of that because the cops right now are actually not taking seriously someone who literally came to my house, blocked me from entering my front door when I was alone and unarmed, mm-hmm. and they're just like, "Yeah, we can't find him." And I don't yeah, really pretty much. That. Well, and again, they have no obligation to. So even though, uh, and this is what we, this is the kind of service you get from a monopoly where there's only one choice and you don't have any other options. Yeah, you can hire a private investigator, but he can't go and do what the police can do, right? So uh, you're stuck with them and and you're forced to pay for their services. And now it sounds like they're, I mean, this is a really scary story here that you're sharing tonight, Bonnie. 
goes on, it says, hate speech accusations are designed with one outcome in mind, censorship. Hate speech is usually not hateful speech. What often constitutes hate speech is any language that opposes popular narrative. This label is causing damage to our nation. We've, I, I, I wish calling, uh, accusing me of being a part of his nation was hate speech. What was he saying? I'm sorry, I wasn't clear on who's saying the, that. The label of hate speech is causing damage to our nation. So this is someone who's against the law? Yes. Okay. It's the Washington Examiner person that's been saying this all this stuff. And the thing about hate speech is it always changes, right? So like 200 years ago, you know, words have had different meanings and it was, you know, politically correct or socially acceptable to say certain things that nowadays it's not. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you always get those like older... Eskimo. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you always get those older folks who like, maybe they still say the N-word My or like certain things. My grandmother said colored right up until she died. Exactly. And she was so- racist. No, that's just the, that's how she yeah. knew to categorize right. people and classify people. Right. And there are still a lot of elderly people like that. So are you going to throw Mima in jail because she's mm-hmm. like senile and racist? Yeah. You know, it's just like, where does this end? My well, mom, that's the thing. My, mine wasn't racist. She just used the wrong word. Yeah. Right? Right. My mom is not racist either. I was going to say she has said Oriental and I've been like, Mama, you can't say that. <laughs> that just sounds racist. And she's definitely not racist. But in, even if somebody was, like, I don't appreciate people that are racist or homophobic, but I do believe they have the right to be. You know, like, we can't mm. tell people what to believe and think. And, and putting someone in jail is a, a way worse crime against a human being than somebody Absolutely. saying... Like, how is that not word. assault and molestation? Yeah. Kidnapping someone and throwing them in a jail cell. Yeah, I felt threatened when the cops had me in handcuffs for hours searching through my house. I also felt molested when mm-hmm. they, you know, went through all my things. Well, it's okay when they do it. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Uh, there are s- countries where this is more common, like uh, Canada. We, You and I were just talking about this today, Bonnie, because... You know, there's certain people in our chat room who, uh, over at chat.freetalklive.com, one of them in particular lives, at least one of them, I think there's actually a couple of them that live in Canada, and at least one of those people seems like a pretty racist dude, uh, but he's got to keep that to himself. Oh my God, if anybody speaks with a hateful tongue, it's this this, uh, 4chan matrix chat loser. Yeah, and he's got to keep it real controlled because they can put you in jail in Canada. Does that mean he's not actually racist? No, he's really racist. Uh, But, you know, he's not in jail right now. Would putting him in jail, if he were to speak what he's been saying, for instance, publicly in Canada, he may face some sort of criminal charge. Would that make him not racist to face criminal charges for being racist? No, it would actually probably make him hate those people even more than than he currently does whoever it is that that he hates and i'm and pretty sure he hates everybody except for his own that's kind, how but. i feel about um all forest association laws um i think that it causes more racism what like what's a forest association like like there's lots of actual laws i didn't learn about it until i started reading they fear unity by Olo axelman mm-hmm. there are actually laws where the government doesn't let you make a college doesn't let you run a college Unless you let a certain amount of black people into this uh, position and a certain amount of Hispanic people into the... It's not about who did the best job. So a bunch of Asian people who have the best grades and all these extracurricular things and stuff like that have been not being able to attend Harvard 
because mm-hmm. sorry, we have too many Asians and whites right now. Uh, don't they call that affirmative action? Yeah, and, and I used to think term? it was just like a cultural thing happening, mm-hmm. but it's actually there are laws for it's it. Required. No, mm-hmm. and you can get like tax write-offs and all yeah. sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just my point is really just that I think that that kind of thing makes racism more prevalent. Like people are gonna have this little thing to be like. Oh, that black person doesn't deserve that job. That's just affirmative action, well, which may or may not even be true. They're just they have this thing to say now. And not even just that. I mean, it is kind of inherently racist to be like, we yep. have to give people like, why Why do we need to give those people their jobs? Do they think they're lesser? Like, what is the reason? Yeah, yeah do, are, because do if they, they, think they can't uh, do it on their own merit. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of. I don't know. It's it is. Yeah, I think they call it reverse racism. And what's, yeah. what's interesting about it is if there weren't those laws and if there was actually like a free market and everything, we could have colleges that straight up said, I only allow this one race to attend this college. And that could be a thing. And we could, you know, have a market of which colleges came out with the best students. You know, it, it, it was it's it's not like if we. Let the markets be free. Only white people would be able to attend college. It's just silly. Like right now, there are colleges. I don't know really why this is legal, but right now there are even colleges where um, you have to be a Mormon to get in. I didn't know that. Yeah, you have to be a Mormon to go to BYU. Okay. Just so Brigham weird. Brigham Young University. Yeah, in Utah. Well, it must be a private college. Um, oh, okay. They, they so they're not accepting government money. I'm guessing that it. they don't accept government money because then all the rules. government doesn't just hand out money they have strings attached so all those affirmative action rules would absolutely come into play i forget why i brought up affirmative action i guess mainly just to say i think that the law is trying to make racism disappear or if that's what they really are trying to do that's what they say they're trying to do if all those disappeared i think there would actually be less racism well and that's the thing and even with the bill we're talking about here it's backfiring or it's going to backfire the more it's forced by the state, oh, no, you you can't use any hateful words. Like, you have to do all of these things to be anti-racist. And all of these things are inherently racist or reverse racism, whatever it's called. It just it's making things worse. It says, in a May exclusive with Fox News, Alex Mori of the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression said that many college students are adopting a victim mentality and thus approve of censorship to combat their perceived persecutors. You're a victim, and you're a victim, and you're a victim. I mean, this is a mentality that is widespread these days. Everybody wants to talk about how, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people want to talk about how they were victimized, and it's so damaging to them, and then they're just going to have to live with this for their whole lives. And it's like this whole mentality is just so weak, and it's sad. I mean, look, if you've been victimized, and I have uh, in my life, you move on. You you learn the lesson from it, and you hopefully don't put yourself in that circumstance ever again. It says more about the person victimizing you than it does about you, and then you move on. Yeah, unless you just want to hold a grudge for your entire life and constantly let you know this thing uh, dominate your thoughts at all times, and that's a really—it's just a sad place to be to be living and to be coming from, but. So many people, they, they make it into their identity. People of all races, people of all walks of life are doing this nowadays because it's just popular. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit worse with the younger generation, like kids that are in like high school, college now. And I think they're they're almost teaching it in schools with this like anti-bullying 
it's the same thing as this bill. You know, like it's this anti-bullying movement, which it, it sounds good because obviously like bullying isn't, I, I don't think bullying is good, right. mm-hmm. but I think the measures and the steps they're taking to try to combat bullying is just making kids really soft mm-hmm. and it's creating these victim types where it's not just like, oh, they had a big event and I'm going to be victimized by that event for the rest of my life. It's they're victimized by everything. They're victimized by a Starbucks cup and, yep. <laughs> you know, they're they're victimized by someone calling them dumb or somebody being mean on Twitter. It's mm-hmm. everything is they're victimized by everything. Um, yeah, but and it's gotten to the point where a lot of people think that it's OK for them to be, um, you know, hurtful towards other people because they're victimized like a good, good friend of mine who is, I think, mixed black and white, if not just black. See, I don't even care. I don't even know. But um, he posted on Twitter one day saying, a white person and a black person simply can't date the way that two black people can date and actually love each other because the white person will just never know what the black person has been through. Mm, Nah, I just can't agree with that. This is your friend who said this? Yeah, on Twitter. Like, this person I know in real life in San Antonio. And it, it was honestly, I felt like saying something, but I didn't feel enough like saying it's just like, whatever. I, I felt like saying, all right, go, please go tell my black grandpa to break up with my grandma because clearly she hasn't gotten the memo that she can't actually love him. You know, mm. it's just ridiculous. It, it's like this anti-racism, you know, mentality that's out there has actually started causing actual racism i mean yeah because that is racist that is an actual i mean that sounds racist to me i think so too i mean who has been anti-mixed races since like the 1960s race um racist yeah well only racist but i'm just saying like it hasn't been that common Uh, everybody says that it was like a lot better in like the 90s my dad said that it wasn't racist in the 80s i mean like mainstream there wasn't a lot of racism in the 80s I mean, agree? there there could have been, but I mean, it's it's hard to tell if you're not part of the population that's getting the brunt of the races. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's probably hard for a lot of white people to understand something like that. I'm sure, like black people in the South, maybe were experiencing more racism. Yes, yeah, but more somewhere. back then to, to now, I, I don't really know. I, don't know. I think things have gone so crazy recently that people will just openly say racist things on Twitter. Not sure. Well. You can call in at 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the Treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first, nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
Talk Live. This is talk radio that you control. You can call in anytime at 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Nikki. It's Ian. And I'm just going to go right to the phones. We have Ricky from the Commonwealth. Are you there, Ricky? I would be there, Miss Bonnie. Thank you. And good evening, Brother Ian and Sister Nikki. Good hey, evening. Ricky, what's on your mind? Well, you know, I wanted to chime in on this whole anti-racism discussion. I will say that myself, I've been saying for 25 years about getting rid of affirmative action. I mean, I've seen the problems with that, and I'm not even going to go into it. You guys probably already have been and probably will more why it's a bad thing. But here's what's on my mind. You know, I mean, I say about being the Confederate Democrat, and one thing I look at is the Confederate monuments. And what's interesting about that is you'll get one of these people that are a so-called leader, and they have whatever their agenda is, and they get some followers, but then you get the government say, yes, yes, we're all for it. And they're going to tear them down. The government You're don't talking care. about taking down Confederate, Confederate mon- monuments. Right. Now, their reason is obvious. Well, they want to get any trace of the CSA gone because they don't want people to even think about that this even existed. Mm -hmm. But you know what's also interesting I look at? You know, Jefferson Davis, one of the more recent ones to be tore down, was his monument in New Orleans. Now, he was president of CSA, and he died in New Orleans. And the funny thing is, to this day, descendants of slaves put flowers on his grave. And people scratch their heads at this. And they shouldn't, you know, and this is the problem of all of this stuff. Why? Why shouldn't and they? Uh, you're saying they shouldn't scratch their heads at this. Why shouldn't they? they well, they do, but um, they do scratch their heads. Not everybody. And I know plenty of blacks and I've met plenty that understand the truth, not only about the Civil War, but all of this stuff. But there's a lot of people who don't. Too, Which is what? Why? Places. What's the truth about Jefferson Davis as to why? descendants of slaves would put flowers on his grave? Well, I mean, uh, the reason why is he, well, one, he was, he was not a racist. I mean, but second, wasn't he, he was like the president of the Confederacy or something? Absolutely. He was. Uh-huh. And plus, you know, he was a good master and, and, you know, there's a woman, in fact, there's a video on YouTube where she's talking about it, putting flowers on his grave and she's a descendant. And her reason was, is he gave people at the time, her descendants, opportunity that they never had. Now, he was a good master. I mean, I'm not saying all masters were. I mean, there were people that weren't. You're going to have that in everything, even now. You know, I think the only but, good master would be somebody who realizes, hmm, I don't have the authority to um, control anyone else's life and let them go. I mean, as long as it's yeah, consensual, I guess. Body. But Slavery was, by what definition, not done? consensual. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Fun. Wait, what, what did you well, say, Ricky? Well, if they wouldn't have worked on a farm, what would they have done? At that time, there wasn't a whole lot to do. You could they do could have worked on their own damn farm for their own purposes. Uh, some did, Ian. A good example. Not a slave. The, well, wait a minute. In the 1600s, get this one. In the 1600s, this was still under British rule, there was a man, and he came over. He was a black immigrant. His thing was tobacco. He was a slave. Now, he had a contract. He fulfilled his contract. He had a second one go, and now his master let him out of that contract and said, be on your own. He became a master himself, and he had slaves. Now, the interesting thing about this was 
is one of his slaves ran away, oddly enough, a white man. And he said to them, hey, I want my property back. Well, you know what they said? The British guy said, hey, we're not going to do that. This is free. This guy's free. That's it, period. Well, he's, the guy ran away again, you know, and he said, okay, I want my property. He said, no, this man's free, you know, period. Now, the third time, he goes into one of the British judges, and it's odd because this is about in 1650. He pulls out of his pocket a piece of paper. He says, I got this one for life. And they look at it puzzled, and they confer with another person in the office. I guess you do. He was the first man to own someone for life. And oddly enough, at, towards the end of his life, he got rid of all of his slaves, except for that one man. And that's documented. I can't remember his name. But What's the point of telling this story? Yeah, I'm a, I don't even, the thing about it is like, there's a lot of these things that can't even actually be corroborated. Like, are these like letters? You can look written it up. Before? It's on the internet, sweetheart. What's I've the point of the story, though? I don't, I don't even remember what you were trying to say. My point is, you know, the the when it comes to history, the focus of the truth has been shifted and shrouded with an agenda, and the agenda is racism. A lot of it doesn't have to do with the truth. I mean, it's immediate shocking that the first man that owned another man in history in this country was a black man. Maybe that surprises people, and that can be corroborated. I've read the story. I mean, on it's the really just uh, you know trivia. Yeah, ultimately. and the thing about it is, it's not like I would be like, "Oh, slavery is suddenly not bad because a black person did it too." I would my just say they're point, both bad. My point of the whole thing was is the tearing down of the monuments is not even about race. The government is just saying, oh, this is great, because they want to erase all traces of the CSA. I want to know how they're going to get rid of Stone Mountain. That's the one I want to know. I mean, I'm sure you're correct. They do want people to have no recollection that anyone ever stood up against, you know, the, mm -hmm. you know, the federal government. Yep. Secession is an important part of it. Well, thank you, Ricky, for the call. Um, it's yeah, I think they should tear them all about. down. I just want to yeah. go on the record. I think that uh, all the war monuments should be take, taken down. Um, I just them. think if it's part of your private property, keep it up. And if it's but not, almost all of them are on government uh, parks and things like that. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with remembering history. I don't think it has to be in a statue form. I don't really know. That's kind of an antiquated thing. It's like we don't really make statues about like stuff that happens today. There's not a statue yeah. of the time that uh, the free Keen Keeniacs did <laughs> Robin Hood. We could make one. Yeah. Well, usually you have to, most of the time you wait until the person dies before you make a statue of them. So usually you don't see statues made during the lifetime uh, of the individual, but I would love to see that war monument come down in, in Central Square. Oh, yes. I would love oh, to yeah. knock it down Fantastic. myself. Fantastic. Now, look, oh, my mom hates it so much. If you want to take it onto your own private property, I think that's fine. And I think that should apply to the uh, Confederate statues as well. Like, okay, look, you know, here, we'll open this up to a bidding war. Anybody who wants to place a bid on this war monument statue and take it onto your own church grounds or your own you know, private property or take it in or wherever melt it down break yeah, it into destroy dust, it yeah. your own self sure so just put it up to the highest bidder the revenue can go to charity or tax revenues or something like that and then you won't have to have the controversy of uh, you know whether that statue should be there or not yeah like the idea we can't write things down and we have to keep this statue up so the posterity will remember is kind of crazy well moving on to the phones um caller you're on free talk live are you there <laughs> yes, I'm here. 
What's your name? Oh, I wasn't I wasn't expecting to get on the call, so I was hitting my bong. Uh, my <laughs> name is Bobby. I'm from Florida. Okay, hi Bobby from Florida. What's your topic tonight? Um, well, could the just two hours ago, Kentucky, a federal judge, um, uh, they uh, blocked, temporary blocked, the uh, gender-affirming care uh, for transgender youth. So I guess the ACLU in Kentucky filed a lawsuit, and then they, they the governor, uh, their, their state house and everything, they voted to ban um, all youth, um, uh, you know, for transgender-affirming care, you know, like hormones. And Juice? I guess um, operations, yes, yes, for youth. And then, um, then, then just, just, just now, you know, just a couple hours ago, a federal judge temporarily blocked um, the, that bill from them being able to do that. And I, I just think that I now, now, aside from the from from the gender care and all that stuff, I, I think a federal judge jumping in on state issues like that isn't right, you know. Hmm. I don't believe in uh, the federal government, so I guess I could g- agree with that. But I-, I-, I did get a little lost there. Sorry. Uh, did you say that the bill was going to? What was the bill going to do? Okay. Well, it's gonna. It would block gender affirming care for oh. trans youth. So, so under eighteen, seven transgender minors and their parents filed motion. So yes, under eighteen. When it, when they say it would block that, does that mean that it would block some sort of state funding for it, or that it would prohibit all privately paid for gender affirming care? It would prohibit everything under under eighteen. I see, like and sex it- changes. And, 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 um, but gender uh, affirming and, you know, care goes beyond that. Gender affirming care could be using a different name or, mm-hmm. um, dressing, you know, dressing differently. Um, right. and Everybody like being jumps able. To, yeah. Arya's yeah. talked about this. Yeah. Everybody just jumps to, oh, it must mean people chopping their genitals off when it can actually just be like therapy. Yeah. Right? And most people aren't doing that, especially under 18. I mean, doing the full bottom surgery is actually quite rare. Mm -hmm. Most trans people don't even have any desire to do that. Um, And I know some people will, you know, either will do like other sort of plastic surgery things. But I think typically that sort of thing happens in adulthood. Um, And then some people will argue for and against the hormones and the hormone blockers in teenagers. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that. But I do think like it should be up to the individual and their parents. Like yeah. it just doesn't have anything to do with me. So I don't think there should be legislation for it or against it. I just think people should be able to kind of do whatever they want to do as long as they're not harming anyone else. Yeah. yeah but- do we do we need legislation keeping people from getting tattoos underage if their parents agree? Because right now you can get a tattoo. They if have you're that legislation, it, don't where? they? Well, no. I mean, right now there's. In, can you in, actually get a tattoo with parental but, consent? Yeah. There's plenty of people that have gotten tattoos not with here. parental consent. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think, yeah, not I, I think in a lot of places I'm, I'm that's I'm surprised illegal. that that's illegal in more places. It would be surprised if it's legal in more places than not because in Utah it's legal. Hmm. So that'd wow. be kind of weird. I mean, Utah's pretty conservative. Yeah, I mean, Bobby, you bring up, it's an interesting issue because, quote unquote, states' rights, which of course states don't have rights, just to be clear, only individuals have rights. But the concept of states' rights is that you know, the different states should be able to do, if you're going to have 
governments, then you should have differing uh, options between them. So the people who are like the conservative types can have their little conservative fiefdom and the liberal types can have their liberal uh, paradise or whatever and let them, ha- let them have these, uh, these oppressive rules. And the federal government is standing in the way of that. On the other hand, it does seem like the federal judges are making the correct choice in these cases where they are allowing for... Uh, people to make their own choices against these laws that are prohibiting people from making their own choices as their own families. And of course, the conservatives, it just once again shows that neither of these sides, the conservative or the uh, quote unquote progressive sides, neither of them, despite claiming at various different times to, you know, my body, my choice, neither of them actually believe that, right? Because under the COVID thing, all of a sudden the conservatives seem to understand my body, my choice. Oh, yeah, you shouldn't be able to force somebody to take a vaccine, said the conservatives, while the liberals were saying, yes, we should be able to force people to take a vaccine. But on the other hand, the liberals, of course, say, no, I should be able to have an abortion, you know, if I want to. And the conservatives want to, you know, force people to stop having abortions. And now the conservatives want to force people from not having this so-called gender-affirming care. So they don't believe for a moment in uh, the in bod- bodily autonomy or anything like that. Of course, we've seen Neither that with, with Body Freedom Village. Uh, yeah. When it, at, yeah, uh, even the- some so-called libertarians don't even believe in that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, people, people just cannot keep their hands off other people's bodies and other people's families and other people's business. And this is why, you know, as far as, uh, you know, far, unfortunately, this is why we're always going to have a state. Because as long as uh, there are people out there who think that it's okay to try to use violence to control people, because remember, that's what backs every state program. So if, you know, if you are in Kentucky and this law weren't blocked by the federal government and then you offered so-called gender-affirming care, men with guns could could come along and throw you in a jail cell. And that is the world that conservatives and liberals both want. And as long as uh, people can't just leave people be and leave them alone to make perhaps the wrong decision, Okay, because that is maybe what we're talking about in a lot of these cases, maybe decisions that these teenagers will regret someday. But if you can't just leave people to make their own choices and live with those consequences, then you are an arch statist and we're never going to get to to liberty because people have to be able to to leave people alone. You have, That's like the key aspect of libertarianism is to be willing to allow people to make poor choices. I think that more people will make the right choice for themselves if everyone is free to make choices and then also free to speak freely about what happened. Like if you go through this gender affirming care, then you regret it. You should be allowed to speak freely about it and inform the next person who's a 16 year old and wondering if they want to transition or, or, you know, the opposite, like tell somebody I went through this at 16. It was the thing that helped me the most. And, you know, I just think that uh, keeping people from being able to do things is more likely to get stuff done in dark corners and black markets. And yeah, yeah sure. Uh, yeah, people go on the dark web to order whatever. Less information chemicals. will be out there mm-hmm. for them to make a, a correct choice. People learn from each other's, uh, you know, pasts. All right. Well, we have Skeeter. From, Good call, Bobby. Thank you. We have Skeeter from California on the uh, line. Skeeter, what's on your mind? Hey guys. Are you talking about slavery? Uh, I just wanted to ask you a question. Um, so uh, you guys are talking about, you know, Africans and, uh, you know, modern slavery in the, in the Western nations. 
Uh, now, from a utilitarian and consequentialist perspective, one can make a rational case that uh, their genetic, their generations have benefited from us enslaving them. How do you analyze this using the national, you know, the non-aggression principle? How are you going to ge- how are you going to rationalize that? Yeah, I, I mean, so speaking of the non-aggression principle, I mean, slavery is completely against the non-aggression principle because. Slavery inherently is committing aggression against someone, you know, and I guess if it was consensual, then it wouldn't be slavery. Right. I'm pretty sure this caller doesn't care about uh, non-aggression because he's described himself as a utilitarian. Yeah, so well, he believes that's what's in what, So what does that mean? A well, utilitarian is, uh, go ahead. It's, utilitarian means I do not have principles, which is weird because he's also called himself an anarchist before. But utilitarian literally cannot have a, a utilitarian literally cannot have principles. They believe that whatever is the thing that they're going to do that would have the optimal outcome according to whom i don't know maybe just according, according to, to the themselves, utilitarian yeah, yeah according to themselves is the right thing to do like so if, it's personal gain personal gain or or uh the public good whatever quote, unquote, he sees as the best uh option okay. essentially is uh what he will support and um i think the uh, the thing the thing about it scooter is i don't think i can answer your question because i don't see any proof of what you're claiming you're claiming a thing and I don't well, he hasn't had a chance see- to make the argument. He's trying to claim that slavery helped uh, blacks. That's basically what he just said. And that's what I'm and, asking him to give me right. some examples of because I don't, I can't really answer your question as stated. So you wouldn't agree that some of these generations that are uh, living in the United States they are better off than their than if they were left in Africa. So wait, you're just saying that slavery helped black people. You got to basically you got to turn him down every time we talk because there's weird noise coming from his line. Um, but uh, so basically, you're say- saying that slavery only helped black people because it got them a ticket to the United States, where they're then their subsequent generations are doing better than they would have if they were st- uh, staying in Africa. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Some, you know, some of these generations, I mean, you know, some died off and stuff. Well, they could, have gotten a, they could have gotten a ticket here without slavery, though, right? Yeah, and, so, and also, like, that's a question that I can't answer because that doesn't pertain. Like, that, I am not living that experience, so that would be a better question for someone who, like, that's part of their ancestry and part of their, you know, like, family history. Yeah, like, I definitely believe that if no one went into Africa and enslaved people, made them farm things like England was doing, and... um grabbed people from their homes and brought them to the United States and made them slaves. You know, if those people were just left alone, I think that they would be a lot better off. And that's just my guess because we don't live in that reality. But I mean, the Moors were a pretty civilized civilization. They had boats and came over to the United States and uh, they were black. They were from Africa. I just I think it's ridiculous that you just think like if no one ever messed with Africa, Africans would just be over there, you know, poor. Their their economy has been incredibly messed with for, you know, mm-hmm. over a century. Well, plus, there's nothing that would have prohibited the very same black people who came here under slavery from chartering a boat 
You know, get hearing that hey, it's it's more free in the United States than it is over here. Now we've got the you know the British oppressing us in various different African uh, countries and saying, hey, why don't we just go ahead and take a trip to America? We heard they had a revolution recently, and there's all this freedom over there. Of course, at the time there was no such thing as a passport. There was no such thing as you know having to ask permission to go somewhere. So they could have just rolled up on the west, uh, you know, the East Coast and had uh, various different black towns or whatever and then they wouldn't have been slaves. And, and then they would have been way better off because they would have been able to start from a position of freedom rather than starting for you know a generation or two in slavery. And not only were they a generation or two in slavery, but after that, there was such bad race relations in the United States because white people have had lived with, with a situation where black people were subhuman to them mm-hmm. that they, they got their banks that they started. Black people started banks and they got burned down and mm-hmm. things like that. There was like bad race relations that made it to where things just weren't actually, you know, harm, harmonious. I, I think it's ridiculous. It was a ridiculous call. Absolutely. Agree. I hung up on him also because yeah. there was such crazy noises in the background. Well, we were talking about Michigan for a different reason, but Michigan's all kinds of crazy right now. If you live there, you should probably get out. Um, well, I have a related story to what Bobby was calling in about where a federal judge, I've been holding on to this one for a few weeks here, uh, a federal judge also ruled the Tennessee restrictions on drag shows unconstitutional. So kind of in the same vein of these conservative states cracking down uh, by passing these new restrictions against people who are trans or in this case, people who are uh, doing drag shows. And the Tennessee law was the first one that had gone into place. I believe Florida attempted to emulate this law. So I, I think that one also was challenged in federal court recently. And the Florida law also, I believe, was similarly frozen. So these things are not passing federal muster. And according to TheHill.com, a federal judge ruled that the Tennessee law banning drag shows in public or in places where children could view them is unconstitutional, finding that it violates freedom of speech protections, according to U.S. District Judge Thomas Parker in his ruling on the law, calling it both unconstitutionally vague and substantially overbroad. The law says, and we talked about this before it went into uh, effect, it says a quote-unquote adult cabaret performance is unlawful if it happens on public property or in a location where the performance, quote, could be viewed by a person who is not an adult. It defines such a performance as one that is harmful to minors and includes topless dancers, exotic dancers, strippers, and male or female impersonators. So that's where the drag show, because obviously drag isn't necessarily topless. Most most cases are definitely not. They're just, you know, men dra- dressing as women and usually in very fancy clothes. Hey, what's, uh, what's weird is it says uh, men, male or female impersonators, but that's not inherently sexual. No, it's not. Or inappropriate. And also, who is deciding what is or isn't inappropriate for a child to witness? Because I guess the everyone, cops are. yeah, the cops, the cops that show up and they're, you yeah, know, so low it's IQ. up for their discretion. And yep. we know they don't Basically. have very good discretion or morals or principles. So, or any I responsibility mean, for making the wrong choice. Yep. If a cops get call, cops get called to a drag show where somebody said, this is inappropriate for children. And the cops walk in, and it's just your typical drag show, which is just people cross-dressing and singing and dancing on a stage. And some cop just believes that that is inappropriate for children. Then somebody's going to get arrested and then prosecuted. So, again, I— Does it have the word that they use there? It starts with a P— 
I had never heard it before, and it, and it just means like sexual prurient. Prurient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I believe that is in the law, but I don't have the actual okay. text here. So that is the word that they use in the law. It's it's any of those uh, types of performances that are done in a prurient way. So right, which is kind of like cop- pandering to uh, the lowest common denominator in sex, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're expecting a cop to know what that word means, and then. <laughs> Uh, get to decide what is and isn't that and it's just crazy well I that mean, looked sexual to me so i arrested that man yep any tennessee cop could be just as dumb as all the conservatives on twitter that are mad about the body freedom village at pork fest coming up we actually have more news about pork fest and that's what i titled the episode about jeremy kaufman freaked out at a guy who was ranting and about you know he's an anti-vaccine man and he said the vaccine killed his daughter And we're going to have more of that coming up. Uh, Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. If you'd like to get in on any of these conversations or bring up a topic that's on your mind, 603-283-6160. That phone number is 603-283-6160. And in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Nikki. It's Ian. We've been talking tonight about all kinds of different kind of culture war things, things that sometimes I really don't like to talk about, but it's been pretty entertaining so far. Things like, um, should we tear down the statues? Uh, Should drag be uh, illegal in Tennessee? Hate speech. Apparently, uh, Michigan is making a bill that will make hate speech punishable by uh, five years in jail minimum. Is calling someone a loser hate speech? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jeremy Kaufman would not be safe in Michigan. (laughs) That's the thing we're getting into next. Um, at Pork Fest, which is the Porcupine Freedom Festival here in New Hampshire, there's a thing that they do, and it's called Soapbox Idol. Our very own Aria Demetso has been a judge for the last three or four years, and basically what they do is somebody gets up on a literal soapbox like a crate, stands there and gives a three-minute speech ranting about you know something that they want to rant about so that way it doesn't blow up on 
Twitter in the in the following year, and it's a, it's a really cool thing. And and then the judges get to basically roast them. They're mm-hmm. meant to be comedically criticizing them, you know, like to the point where they're being kind of mean, but everyone laughs mm-hmm. it off. It's like a roast. So that that happened this Sunday at the Porcupine Porcupine Freedom Festival. I think it was Saturday. It's usually the last Saturday. day. And um, very popular, very well attended event. None of us three in the studio actually were there for it, mm-hmm. but a video came out today, so I finally decided I want to talk about it because it's it's just been a huge topic amongst libertarians on Twitter. Yeah, and people Facebook. were saying there was almost a fight that yep. that went down. It did look like a fight could have gone down if volunteers didn't hold this man back mm. from Jeremy Kaufman saying "loser, loser" over and over again. And we'll get into that, but first, uh, we're going to go to your calls and thoughts. We have Frank from Michigan. Frank, what's on your mind? Hi, guys. It appears that, uh, Bonnie, are you in training to take over the show? That's what it kind of seems like tonight. Is that is that what's going on? Well, I'm not in training to take over the show, but I felt just by my own volition that I should probably start hosting Wednesdays because it's always been She Talk Live and Arya is going to be in prison for some amount of time. She went in yesterday, and uh, she called us today. So I guess we could talk a little bit about that. But mm-hmm. yep, she did. Um, yeah. So Arya is not going to be here for however long, up to a year and a half. And I just decided maybe Nikki and I can do the show alone some days, so Ian actually gets a day off, or you know, we could have a third female in here sometimes. And that's basically it. Yeah, it certainly doesn't hurt to have more people uh, hosting Free Talk Live. I got you. And uh, Ian, you're just kind of hanging out and uh, watching how she's doing kind of thing and making sure everything's running smooth. Is that what's going on tonight? Yeah, that's definitely what's going on. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. I'd be interested to know what uh, Aria had to say uh, after her first day and. uh in the joint if um, you want to share yeah I, obviously she's got an open invitation to call in but uh, apparently things are you know all things considered it could be a lot worse she's in a uh, not even a minimum security facility she's in a, what is called a camp and so there's not even like barbed wire or a fence so and they can go out when they want they can go outside um, pretty much anytime they want unless they are being what is called recalled so yeah. in most jails they have what they call a lockdown uh, that's where if you're out in the day room or whatever and they call lockdown, you have to go back to your cell. The doors have to be closed and then they, you know, they're locked. You can't leave. Uh, but in this case, it's sort of like an open, uh, it's sort of like an open bunk room that they're in. There's apparently 60 guys that are in this, uh, this bunk room with, uh, with her and it is at this medical facility. So it's, uh, since it's a minimum or camp style situation, uh, it's very, very easy going. She said she's barely even seen any guards since she was there. I imagine a, a guard checked her in, but apparently once they're in the facility, then they're just kind of allowed to do their thing for the for the most part. And she will be apparently being assigned to some sort of a work task. Uh, I'm not sure if she's going to have any kind of choice in that matter or you know, if they're going to give her options or they're just going to say, well, you're in the kitchen or you're outside mowing the lawn or whatever. Yeah, so, the slavery part. So, yeah, we haven't gotten to that part of it yet to, to find out what sh- what her assignment is going to be. Oh, yeah, we uh, talked about slavery on the show tonight. We didn't even uh, think to mention slavery yeah. is not illegal in the United States. Not if you're the government. Ari yeah. is a slave right now. So, But she says everyone has been very nice as, oh, far, as, as, far, as, as far as the other inmates are concerned. Helping her out, giving her things. 
she uh, got a water bottle from one of the inmates. Uh, another inmate. She told me via email today that she, because she also called and also sent an, an email through the federal CoreLink system. Uh, she got a, a Pepsi. She was gifted a Pepsi from one of the other prisoners because she, yeah, I guess she's got a caffeine addiction. So she was grateful to uh, to have some caffeine because she won't be able to get her commissary order until. I think it's going to be next Thursday. So the orders have to go in on Sunday, and then it's a few days before the delivery comes in. So that's pretty standard when you get into a, a facility is you don't get commissary the next day. It takes it takes a little bit of time. And the other good news is she was grateful that apparently some people have already put some money into her commissary account. So she does have some funds with which she could order you know, coffee or underwear or whatever it is that uh, that you can order on a on a federal commissary so all things considered you know obviously the bed sucks uh the the mattress sucks that's mm-hmm. just you know pretty standard with these situ- situations but uh it seems like it could be a lot worse and uh, being able to go outside anytime you want to is a really nice uh nice thing gotcha and what's your date for sentencing i, I- I heard it was changed. What's the new date? Uh, it's currently August 17th, but if anyone's planning to attend, you should just pencil that one in because it's been set back multiple times now, and there's, I would say, still a good chance it's going to be set back again, uh, given there's still a lot of things to be hashed out with the, uh, the motion to dismiss that's still in play at federal court, and there's still paperwork that needs to get taken care of. So I, I feel like that's a f- fairly unrealistic date at this point, but that's the that's the current date for me. It, it does give people more of an opportunity, since it's been pushed back, to write a letter to the judge. And if yep. you uh, want to know how to do that, you can go to letters.freetalklive.com. That's correct. Yep, there's some tips there. And I assume you're good with that. I mean, you're probably in no hurry to, to run into court and possibly get sentenced to prison, right? So that's good. With, you're good with that, right? Kicking it down the road? Well, more time but, that his uh, lawyer has to work on things is always better, but there's a lot of stuff in progress right now with it. Like, the pre-sentencing report was crazy. It said things that just po- couldn't possibly be true, and every all the lawyers were like, this is obviously wonky, so it's getting looked at again that's got to be that's got to come out and be updated before sentencing and ian's lawyers got to work on that yeah and we may still see some dropped charges uh if uh if all goes well with the motion to dismiss so it's not over yet the lawyers right now are currently arguing over the uh, so-called money laundering charge involving an undercover irs agent who pretended to be a heroin dealer who i refused to sell bitcoin to but then he went to the Bitcoin vending machine without permission and went ahead and bought some Bitcoin there. And they said, the prosecution says, that is money laundering. And, yeah, how? And so our argument is, well, money laundering requires you to actually commit or attempt to commit a financial transaction with a person that you believed was you know, a criminal, essentially. And not only did I not attempt to commit or commit a financial transaction with this individual uh, I also didn't believe he was actually a heroin dealer. So, like, yeah. they failed on both of those counts. And, uh, you know, the jury still convicted me anyway. And it's it's also so crazy to believe that they can have these undercovers come into situations and literally set people up either... Because yeah. they do it with drug busts, too, where they're either sure. buying or selling drugs. And to me, that just... Like, how does that make sense that that can be a legal thing? That you thing can just lie for... to somebody and yeah, then exactly. they commit a crime? 
Yeah, yeah. To, like it, it seems like they're just as bad as you know what, like the it's drug dealers crime. or what. Yeah, it's that's you know to come back around to thought crimes like we were discussing yeah. earlier, where you just say a thing and now all of a sudden this uh, this normal crime is worse with a hate the concept of a hate crime. In this case, this is a total thought crime. Yeah, there, there was not actually any drugs involved here. There was not actually any kind of illegal uh, action going on. It's just the undercover agent paints a picture. And then the victim, in this case, the person who gets charged criminally, if they believe it, they go through with the deal. Now it's a maximum of 20 years in yeah. prison for doing something that didn't ever really yeah. happen. There's it's no just danger so of it ever happening. Right. It's, it is so crazy. But in my case, I didn't do the thing. But yet I got convicted anyway. So that's what uh, they're arguing over at the moment. So the, uh, you own the ATM that the person used? Uh, no, the Shire Free Church owns uh, the ATM. I got you. So then why were you charged if that Shire Well, Free I'm, I'm part of the Shire Free Church. The government's trying oh. to make it seem like the Shire Free Church isn't real. They never came out and uh, actually, like, accused that of being the case. They just, they actually can't do that. I mean, like, I think they realize they can't take I mean, it was down no free secret. churches. It, it was not a secret that I was the person in the church who was administering the ATM, the, the uh, Bitcoin vending machine. So, you know, that... But, I'm the one that but had the, the thing keys is, to the, the machine, government isn't right? prosecuting so. the Shire Free Church. They're just no. pretending it doesn't exist and basically skipping a, a, a part that I would think would be really important, like to prove that the Shire Free Church isn't a real church before just, you know, getting in with these crimes. It's crazy. Like the tax evasion one, I don't think applies considering uh, Ian was acting on behalf of the church and wasn't running a business, but. It's also ridiculous to try to make the argument that someone's religion or church isn't real or relevant. Mm -hmm. I mean, that seems like, I I mean, it is very insulting. The government doesn't have the ability to do that. And they know that. That's why they're just skipping that part. Yeah. Were the, uh, were any of your other counts of money laundering have to do with somebody purchasing Bitcoin through the ATM or just the one with the. The, the undercover guy. Uh, the vending machine? No, that was the only one with the uh, the undercover. The other money laundering count was where they alleged that I was working with online scammers to scam people out of money, which was never proven. There's not a shred of evidence to uh, suggest that. In fact, all the evidence that we presented counters that because we were trying to identify the scams. We were trying to uh, stop the scams. We did successfully stop multiple scams in progress from happening and get those people their money back. Worked with police to stop scams. Worked with the police. It's all on the record. But the jury wanted to find me guilty of that one, too. So that's another one we're going to hopefully be having arguments about, although that hasn't happened yet. I got you. Okay. I appreciate the information. No problem. Thanks, All right, thanks for, the, for call. the call. So, so yeah, if you want to go to letters.freetalklive.com, you can write to the judge. And if you feel like I've been of some sort of benefit to you or the community, then that would be something you could write about. And I'm very grateful for the amount of people that have. It's probably more than has ever written to a federal judge. I don't know if that's true. But he I'm doesn't know grateful. if that's true. Yeah. I said probably. Maybe. It's certainly significant. And uh, but more. And that's going to be, be more thing. than this judge has ever seen. Maybe. Good chance of it. I think there's like a hundred about letters or more. There are at least a hundred, I think, that we've turned in so That's far. awesome. And that doesn't include the... We do have some letters that were written t- during like the trial time or just before the trial from business owners that I've helped in the local area accept cryptocurrency with no charge, right? Like just helping people do this stuff. Some of those whom actually appeared at the trial and testified on my yeah. behalf 
uh, like the good folks from Little Zoe's, who, of course, are every year at the Porcupine Freedom Festival cooking pizza for uh, for people. Ed from Little Zoe's came out and did an amazing job uh, testifying. And I loved how when he kind of wrapped up his statements, he's, he's basically just said, what are we even doing here? Yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. He started yelling. He was yeah. like, I don't even know why we're all here today. This is yeah. crazy. And the judge had to say, like, all right, all right, that's enough. And get him to sit down. Yeah. I mean, he's 100% correct, though. Like, what? Yeah. what is all of this about? You know, it's just a complete circus. Well, we know what it's about. It's about coming after the free staters, and it's about coming after cryptocurrency and and trying to scare people. In, and, and I think doing a successful job of it, uh, scare people from selling Bitcoin, selling it to... Uh, individuals peer-to-peer that is what this whole thing is all about it's like you could go to prison if you sell bitcoin without a government permission slip which you can't actually get in any kind of meaningful sense so basically you can just go to prison if you sell bitcoin uh it doesn't matter whether you have the permission slip or not i mean we saw what's happening with coinbase too you know like they jumped through the government hoops and it's not working out very well for them Well, they're not facing uh prison time yeah coinbase but but yeah they're they're coming at them too with the civil case they definitely wanted to, uh, to make it to where if you want to get cryptocurrency, they know who you are, how much you have. Yeah, you absolutely. You got to ask their permission. They can freeze their, your stuff. Which they, is the point. I mean, the, that's like opposite of the point of cryptocurrency, right? It's like, well, exactly. I'll just use USD and put it in the bank if I wanted it to be that way. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, before we took Rick's, I mean, uh, Frank's call, we were talking about Jeremy Kaufman at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Mm-hmm. During the Soapbox Idol event, where people get up on stage and rant for three minutes, I really wish we could play the video. I really, really yeah, wish. Yeah, there's a lot of cursing. I know, we should have uh, beforehand censored it. Beep, it would have taken a lot beep. of time. That would have taken at least, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't even have understood what mm-hmm. he was saying. <laughs> Basically, all right, I'll, I'll start off trying to explain what happened. So all of the other contestants had gone, you know, done their three minutes, got off the stage, and then Aria... Constance and Jeremy were able to judge them, give them a, I think like a one out of ten, and uh, just you know. I think it's actually more than that. I think they can just give an arbitrary number. Yeah, exactly. And like I want to say, like this whole thing is a complete joke, kind of. Like uh, Aria was saying that Jeremy gave someone an extra point one year for bringing him a beer. Mm -hmm. So then Aria was like, "Well, I'm deducting a point because you didn't bring me a beer." So like this isn't just like. And then um, I saw Constance post online like, "Oh, this person was my favorite soapbox idol person," which is funny because I gave them a zero. So oh, this wow. exactly. Wow. So it's not really as cut and dry. Like this isn't, you know, like a regular contest show where you're not you're like, a scholarship. Like exactly. You know? It's not serious. It's a joke. It's supposed to be fun and funny and like not super serious. It's supposed to be just lighthearted, like a a nice fun way to end the festival. Right. And um somebody that is not a real free stater didn't seem to get that memo. And so the mm. last person to go, I thought it was a little weird. My friend told me who was there that AJ, the MC, his name is AJ, said right before he brought this schizophrenic guy on the stage, he said, this is the one person that I was told I had to have on. Mm. And I was like, my friend was wondering. By who? My, exactly. That's what my friend was wondering. Who told me he had to have it on? And what is that supposed mm. to mean? Does it does he, does he mean you have to have this guy on? He's great. Or... Does he mean like you absolutely have to have this guy on? I don't know. That's weird. From what I understand, and I don't know the ins and outs of how this um, is run, 
but I think people kind of audition and do like, okay, this is what I want to talk about. And then I, I don't think every single person that wants to speak gets on. Mm-hmm. I think there is some hmm. sort of like... There is an audition, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, I think there's some sort of like early stage audition pro. It's not, again, it's not super serious, like, but... It's like, nope, that that sucks. We're not going to have you on. Or, yeah, that's funny. That's interesting. We'll have you on. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that part. Well, so this guy goes up. I don't know his name. It was probably in the video, but I don't remember his name. And he's very solemn. He doesn't step up on the actual soapbox or the little um, platform that they have that says soapbox on it. And he starts off saying, you guys are, you know, my family has been here for generations, seven generations or something like that in New Hampshire. And you free staters are the army I've been waiting for. We've been holding space for the army to arrive. And I feel Got a lot like of cheers, a lot of a uh, lot of applause. Yeah, it just weird. sounds so crazy like that. It, it, it's just it's cringy. Cringy and that's too. what I said before in the break. It's it's very cringy. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, we're yeah. not an arm. I don't want to be classified as an army. Yeah. You know, I'm not part of your army. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to exist peacefully and be right. left alone. Like, I don't want to join your militia or your army. It's no, very thank you. Like, too. Like, it is the word army, which is implicitly implying like. Well, a lot of things that, like, just from, like, the clips I've heard, like, a lot, like, he was throwing major Fed vibes. Yeah. He he also said, well, I guess I should go on to the main point of his rant, which went on for six and a half minutes, I think. Uh, more according- than twice as long as what he was allowed. More than three minutes. More than three minutes by at least twice. Mm-hmm. Um, his main rant was saying, so they've been after my daughters. They, who knows who the they is, but he said that... The medical establishment is out to kill us, as in, like, the people, and they've been after my daughters. So when she was two years old, uh, some other vaccine, not, you're, you're right, and not the COVID vaccine, uh, killed my daughter, but I knew what to do because I was trained. Mm-hmm. I put her in a bathtub filled with ice, and I did CPR, and I brought her back to life. Then what? I brought that's her. What he says, that's yeah. what yeah, he says. Yeah, it does not sound like he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and he says, "I brought her lifeless, almost lifeless body to uh, the hospital and screamed at them that they were wrong and to fix my daughter." And he they claimed, did. And I broke down a door in the hospital. He that's says what he that. said. Yeah, he said he brought her back to the very same hospital that had injected her with the vaccine. Right. And yelled at them that they were wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, my daughter was a six foot, when she was 17, she was a six foot three, beautiful ginger, redheaded girl. And if she looked in your eyes, it would make you speechless because she was so pure of heart. Did you get the impression? That he's crazy. Uh, I don't think he straight up said this, but did you get the impression that he's divorced? Uh, I guess so. I mean, I I would, I don't know. Because... I mean, obviously the person is crazy, but if your daughter had such a negative experience to a vaccine Hmm. at age two, why would you allow her to get a COVID vaccine? That's a great question. At any point. Yeah. Unless you were divorced and she got the vaccine because mom had her get the vaccine. That is is possible because, so I actually know some of my friends personally who, um, you know, they, their children had really negative reactions to vaccines. So like seizures, you know, I had one friend who unfortunately um, her child passed away and all of those people, even if it was something like they felt like it gave their kid autism or ADHD or even whatever the reaction was, if a parent, typically if a parent identifies Something that happened to their child as a negative reaction of a vaccination, 
typically they become an anti-vaxxer. Right. And then like that's it. They're like, no, I just watched my 18-month-old have a seizure in the hospital. Like this is traumatizing. And mm-hmm. it, it literally turns them, even if they're a nurse, doctor, medical professional, whatever their stance previously was on vaccines, it typically turns them into an anti-vaxxer. And especially with the COVID vaccine, where that was such like new medical technology and it was very, you know... Rushed. Yeah, it was very rushed, but it was also very controversial, mm-hmm. right? Like, that wasn't a typical vaccine. Like, th- this wasn't the chickenpox vaccine. This wasn't the flu shot. This was a completely different thing. And it was, there was a lot of controversy controversy over it in the media and, you know, in a lot of libertarian and conservative circles. So it's just, yeah, that is a strange point that, like, if, if your kid already had almost died, why are you still vaccinating her? I wondered, uh, I guess I didn't think- Didn't he also interrupt, but didn't he also say- that the vaccine turned his daughter autistic as well. I don't remember. I believe part for sure. I believe he says that at some point in his speech. She was a beautiful six foot three ginger autistic woman. And then she woman. supposedly died from the COVID vaccine, um, which is so terrible. If that's true, that's very very sad. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll go on with this. The basic question is: Did Jeremy Kaufman do anything wrong? No. By calling this guy a loser and telling him to get off the stage. Right after he get, went up there and spilled his heart about his daughter dying. Uh, we'll be right back. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. radio that you control if you want to call in and get in on this conversation 603-283-6160 is the number to call that's 603-283-6160 and in the studio tonight you've got me bonnie nikki and ian and we've been talking tonight about lots of different things about slavery in the united states about hate speech and now about Jeremy Kaufman. Did Jeremy Kaufman do anything wrong at the Porcupine Freedom Festival? He called man a loser who had just lost his daughter tragically. And we're going to talk about that. But first, let's go to your phone calls and thoughts. We have Kadu on the line in Connecticut. Kadu, what's on your mind? Hey, I know that I won't be able to make that great of an argument about why... I think it's a mildly positive thing that RFK Jr. showed up at Porkfest. But I want to ask, I know you guys think, you know, these politicians, they're just showing up for votes, which is probably true. But just to end this whole stupid RFK Jr. thought thing I was having, do you think uh, he really benefits more than potentially suffers from appearing at Porkfest? I think he would probably benefit more than he would saw. Like, I think it would benefit him more than it would hurt his reputation for being, you know, associated with us extremists in New Hampshire. Yeah, like people outside of New Hampshire don't know what the Porcupine Freedom Festival is or what the Free State Project is. The only Democrats that have a negative opinion of the Free Staters is New Hampshire, but the Free, St- I mean, the New Hampshire Democratic primary is not going to count this year. So I don't think it will hurt RFK at all. I think it'll definitely help him. There's now a video of him giving a speech that wouldn't otherwise exist. Uh, he reached more people that might have not talked to him. I definitely think that it is all a 
boon to him and well, the Democrats doesn't help in, Porkfest. in power already hate him. So, yeah, it's not going to help. It's not going to, I think, hurt him because the Democrats are already like the standard run of the mill uh, go Biden Democrat is never going to consider what RFK has to say. He has to appeal to the independents. And in New Hampshire, uh, the independents are the, the plurality of the voters here. So the, yeah. there's more independents than there are Democrats and there's more independents than there are Republicans. So he probably is well aware of this. He's got to sway those people to vote for him. And uh, and, and again, uh, Biden's not expected to be on the ballot in New Hampshire because they've kicked New Hampshire out essentially from the Democratic primary system, basically, at this point, by not acknowledging their first-in-the-nation status. The official Democrat perspective is that they just won't count whoever it is that, that wins. So what you did say that you have the opinion that it is overall a good thing that RFK came to Porkfest. What do you mean by that, Could you? Um, I just think um, here, I'll, I'll, I'll give a, I don't really have an, an answer for that, but I think from, from our perspective, uh, you know, very skeptical of the state and, and having uh, problems with the state, it's very obvious to us why uh, it's not a good thing. But I was at the park the other day and I was talking to this 75 year old liberal guy and he had memories of, you know, supporting, um, you know, Robert, the original Robert Kennedy, like back in the day. And but his whole perception of this guy is that he's some crazy um, anti-vaxxer who's basically right wing. And um, his whole notion of who this guy is, is um, skewed, skewed by the media. And he has uh, he has no sense of, like who cares what uh, RFK Jr. thinks about vaccines. I mean, if, if he if he was president, uh, why? Uh, it's not like he's going to force Americans to not take the vaccine. That would never happen. So, um, so it's just interesting to me um, uh, to have him as a speaker in the sense that okay, he's not on board with us. But he still is somebody that, uh, you know, is being misrepresented, mm-hmm. um, is potentially ha- has potentially some of the same enemies that we have, you know, these, uh, these kind of Fauci people, blah, blah, blah. So even though he's not a perfect representative of our movement, to say the least, I mean, he's not even close, but um, he's a person who's been taking a lot of heat uh, for reasons he shouldn't be taking heat for. Well, I, I would agree that it's weird that I've seen a lot of people act like he's a right winger when he's clearly not. He's against libertarians in many left wing reasons for for many left wing reasons. Like he wants to take people's guns away. He said, oh, I will not take your guns away. But that, but then literally, I guess not literally did at Porkfest, but he didn't basically. let people carry at his. And I was surprised how many people still showed up mm-hmm. to it. And of course, not everybody at Porkfest and not every libertarian carries or cares about that. How but, many of them were actual Porkfest right. libertarian attendees versus just RFK looky loos who wanted to come see their favorite politician? I don't know. I saw else. I saw a lot of like FSP people. You did? That, like, okay. like pretty, you know like i guess pretty notable people in the free state project that went to me i i guess i differ from a lot of people 
in New Hampshire and that like people that go to Porkfest because I really don't care about politics at all. I don't worship politicians. Like I, I think it's so dumb and I would never waste my time going to see any politician speak, whether it's JFK mm-hmm. or like maybe Vermin Supreme. Yeah, maybe he's the only person. You're just going to get lied to. Exactly. Just get lied to. So what's the point? He Why said, anybody takes these people seriously? I don't understand it. At his speech at Porkfest, he said like, by the way, I'm not going to take your guns away from you. And everybody cheered. We also said, but we need to f- do something about s- these school shootings. And that is a dog whistle. For- yeah, like uh, what? Armed teachers? Arm armed students? Because that's the only thing you can do about it. He was extremely vague about it. And, and he's so anti-gun. I just really doubt his answer is going to be yeah. armed teachers or probably armed students. N- probably not. But uh, so. yeah, I don't really see how it helps. Uh, thank you for your call tonight, Kadu. But I just really don't see how it helps free staters or libertarians in any no, way. No, it doesn't help the free staters. It helps RFK right. because it I helps his he exposure. Gains more than we do from him. Yeah, being no, there. I think it actually hurts the free state project. And and I will say this: I did I did in my interview with uh, Free State Live. They interviewed me from the Porcupine Freedom Festival on Friday, and and that's actually been posted at the Free Talk Live or sorry the uh, the Free State Project. YouTube channel, so I, I appreciate that, and I do acknowledge that there was some really good publicity in advance when the uh, the chairman of the Democratic Party of New Hampshire wrote a two page long letter trying to convince RFK Jr. to not attend the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And in that letter, he basically admitted that the Free State Project has been a tremendous success at infiltrating the Republican Party and getting elected, and like that we're this dystopian thing. And there's part of the fun of this has been people have been posting pictures from Porkfest. Showing like you know kids running around having fun and all the cool stuff that's that's you know been going on and writing it's dystopian like at the top and then just showing all this fun stuff that happened at at Porkfest. I mean the the whole response from the Democrats was really out of control and ridiculous. So there was definitely some good things that came from it, but on the other hand, now you've got vo- uh, video footage of RFK Jr. saying not libertarian things. In front of the Free State Project step and repeat logo banner thing, mm. right? So, like, if you yeah. watch our if you watch our show at video.freetalklive.com, you'll see that I'm sitting in front of what they call a step and repeat. It's the kind of thing where logos are sort of in a certain pattern behind a person, right? Like they always have it at uh, press conferences or whatever, right? So the Free State Project has one of those things, and it's got the Porkfest logo and it's got the Free State Project logo all over it. So basically, no matter where a camera is. Is, you cannot avoid to see the logos behind this person, and I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna make the Free State Project look bad. It's gonna make people wonder what the Free State Project is. It doesn't sound very libertarian if you've got this guy talking about how great democracy so, is, blah, and so on. And no one booed him when he said well, that. Right. Well, and that's the thing too. Porkfest especially has become very watered down. Like there's a lot of like conservatarian types mm-hmm. and like. A lot of the people that are, and I I don't even want to say a lot of the people, but there are definitely some people who are not only like speaking there, but a lot of attendees who aren't really principled libertarian. You know what I mean? Like they're just more conservatives or maybe they're just looking for a place to fit in. Like I don't really know what the deal is, but a lot of these people worship politicians and they're okay with somebody telling them that they can't arm and defend themselves and like all of these things. And there there are a lot of politicians there and i'm i'm just so shocked 
by the amount of support the in Vivek. I don't know anything about him, but he's a politician, so I don't like him. He's bad. So oh, he's there's bad, bad. so I yeah, and and Matt said something like, "Oh, that guy doesn't you know care about property rights, so don't care about him." Hmm. So it's just I'm so surprised that these people don't see it, and I and I hate to like use language like these people um, because a lot of these people are my friends, but mm-hmm. I, I'm just so shocked that a lot of people can still become blinded by politicians. People who should know better. And who, they should it, know better, exactly. It all comes down to the fact that power corrupts, and I think a lot of people are just seeing the attention the free state's getting, and, oh, people are getting elected, and I think that just that little bit of power is sincerely corrupting well, people. Mm, I mean, yeah. they can get ahead in politics by being somebody that's big in the free state project. Yeah, I mean, like, forget politics. I mean, we've even seen that within the free state project where people will hold these, like, really high positions, you know, either coordinating Porkfest or just in the free state project. And it seems like power, even in those instances, like, they're not politicians, but power is corrupting them and they get a little, like, on their high horse and, oh, I'm, you know, I'm the ruler of Porkfest and all this stuff. And it's like, give me a break. Yep. We're all just here to, like, party and have a fun time and go to events and, and learn. It's just, I don't think it should be, like, a, like politicians coming to campaign. I just, it's just crazy. It's gross. It's, it's gross. really to turn it, off, I think. Yeah. And we had somebody on last night named Mikey, and um, he got banned this year, but he was there walking around freely, and it was awesome. Made me laugh every time I saw him. Um, he got banned for nothing, for um, a suspicion on the Porkfest organizer that Mikey messed with his Jitsi meetup Zoom Yeah, call. so essentially he was guilty before even giving, like, he didn't even get a trial. Right. <laughs> like, he didn't, it, he was guilty before he was proven innocent. Like, that's not how it's supposed to go. And we found out uh, from Mikey last night that the person who's going to organize Porkfest next year, Constance, came out and said yesterday that she will uphold that band next year. And I just don't support that. I do not support Mikey being banned at all. He didn't do anything wrong. Yep. He really didn't do anything wrong. And it's just like absolutely crazy that we're banning people for for just being internet trolls. Like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Sometimes Mikey's too much. Sometimes he's annoying and he should like chill out sometimes. But it's not grounds to ban him from the festival, and I think it's a really bad look. Well, I don't think Mikey did anything wrong, but what about Jeremy Kaufman? Mm-hmm. So we were talking in the last segment about the last day of Porkfest, I think Saturday. There's an event called Soapbox Idol, and basically people get up there and they rant for three minutes on a box with the word soapbox on it. Mm-hmm. And um, our own Aria DiMezzo is a host, and Jeremy Kaufman is a host. They're judges. Uh, or, sorry, yeah, judges. Yeah. And then this other woman named Constance was a judge this year. Uh, everyone went, everyone had I think a, Tom Woods has been up there in the past. Yeah, with yeah. Aria. Yeah. Um, so basically everybody went and did their speeches, their rants. Everybody got roasted by the judges, which is the point. Like, you know that when you're up there, you're going to get highly criticized in mm-hmm. a comedic manner. And then this last person came up and went on this basically schizophrenic rant about they're after my family, they're after me, they killed my daughter. He, to make a long story short, said that he's lived here for seven generations in New Hampshire. He believes the Free State Party or Project is the army that his family's been waiting for. And now he wants them to go and vote for RFK. And he want, he said, we need to, this is what we need to do as libertarians. We need to go vote for RFK and get him on the debate stage with Trump. 
And he Ugh. did say, I don't. He wanted to save America. He did oh say, Oh my God. Yeah. He sounds like a real upstanding libertarian. Mm-hmm. Right. He did say, I don't, listen, I don't care who wins, you know, trying to get some points back, mm-hmm. but we need to have RFK up there talking about how the vax is bad. And uh, that's just such an, a not libertarian stance. I mean, even if somebody believes that the vaccine is bad, that doesn't necessarily make them a libertarian. This man wants to. <sighs> Uh, take guns away from people. He says he's anti-war, but how can you be anti-war and want to disarm people? So, and why is the vaccine, like the COVID vax is like the end-all be-all for some people? Like, is that really the most important thing right now? I think that it's kind of a distraction. Like, it's over at this point. If you didn't want to take the vaccine, you did not have to. Nikki was a nurse during the whole thing. And she quit her job. Oh, my God. It's actually possible to yeah, quit got, your job. I got fired, actually. Well, yeah, she got fired and her life didn't end. So many people were like, I had to get the COVID vaccine because of my job. It's like, well, that was a choice. You made that choice to yeah. keep that job that didn't respect you enough uh, to respect your decision. And you shouldn't have taken the vaccine if you didn't want to. Um, and the other thing is just the COVID lockdown things are some people's one and only um position that they care about like uh melissa melissa blazik in new hampshire she's a former state rep her whole thing is the covid lockdown thing to the point where she's a huge ron desantis fan she wants ron desantis to be uh president it's like she acts like she's like a liberty rep like you really think act like you believe in liberty but you think ron desantis the gitmo torturer should be president of the united states and tell us all what to do anyways so, yes, this man, he went on a rant, an anti-vaccine uh, rant. He said that the COVID vaccine killed his 17-year-old daughter six weeks ago. And when he the when his whole crazy six-and-a-half-minute-long rant was over, Jeremy, uh, the whole not the whole crowd, but a lot of people in the crowd stood and clapped for him. It was very loud. And then when they were done clapping, Jeremy Kaufman stands up and goes, you guys are going to hate me, but... Excuse, or sir, I think you're a very captivating speaker, but I think you're absolutely effing insane. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely effing crazy. And Which the guy, is spot on. Yes, the guy didn't get he down. He did seem crazy. He didn't get down off the stage and let the speaker or the judges do their thing. Yeah, which so is supposedly the rules of the event are that when the speaker is finished with their rant, they have to get off the stage, relinquish the microphone, leave the stage, and then the uh the judges sort of weigh in the speaker is not allowed to respond it's not not supposed to it's, be a debate exactly yeah which this guy clearly didn't get because jeremy you know was making his statement and this guy just kept like trying to defend himself and going back and forth and jeremy even said like listen this isn't a debate. Like you need to get off the stage. This is inappropriate. And this then he isn't. Refused and then to he's get like, the "I didn't ask for your opinion. Actually, you did ask yeah. for his opinion because you wouldn't be doing soapbox idol right now. Right. The whole point is to get the opinion of the judges and to essentially, like Bonnie said earlier, kind of get roasted. They well, don't always roast people, so they. It's almost like they're giving feedback. They're judging you. That's yeah. the point. Well, and I don't know if this guy wasn't there for the entire event because suppose. Supposedly he was the last speaker, so presumably he saw some of the others speaking and right. saw how the procedure went, but he thought he was exempt from the, the rules. Yeah, he seemed really entitled, like, my daughter died, so you don't get to be mean to me. Right, and he refused to, like, people, multiple volunteers were trying to, like, get the microphone away from this guy. It took some time, 
Uh, and he just refused to just go quietly. Basically, the guy stood there and Jeremy said, after he said, you're completely effing insane, he said, um, I don't think that the libertarian movement needs to be associated with this whole anti-vax thing. A lot of libertarians are not absolutely anti-vax, like mm-hmm. believing that all vaccines are bad. Right, just because they were maybe against the COVID experimental vaccination they may have still supported vaccines elsewise. Right. And this is an issue libertarians disagree on. This is, uh, you know, some of them are anti-vax and some of them are skeptical, but they might be okay with some of them. The idea is you can get your kids vaccinated. If I had kids, I wouldn't get them vaccinated and we should all be able to live in harmony. Mm-hmm. And that's all the libertarian position is on vaccines. So you don't think Jeremy did anything wrong? I don't think he did anything. Was he wrong. a little too harsh? Don't you think, or is that how harsh uh, but, they normally but, are? Oh, absolutely. There, I've seen them be more harsh. Like, does you know, really, like he, he didn't. I mean, Jeremy was calling him a loser at one point. Is that really what happens? I to mean, other I don't. Yeah. Okay, he was calling I, him really? a loser uh, when he wouldn't get off the stage. The guy yeah. said, "True, that's He true. said, "Get off the stage," and the guy said, "Make me. This mm. is my effing country, he, New and, Hampshire." And that's, mm. that's the thing too. He was being aggressive. Like yeah, it, it, it seems like he was about to attack Jeremy. Jeremy does deserve, I think, a lot of credit for before the dude got really aggressive. He said, look, I'm sorry this happened to your no. daughter. Yeah, but he said that he multiple was, times. Yeah, yeah. People keep accusing him of being too mean to somebody whose daughter died. Well, and, and I heard like, somebody said, oh, he was making fun of him. Right. And he wasn't making fun. of. I mean, no, he started making fun genuine. of him. When he wouldn't get off the stage and was right. acting like a loser, and he right, and you know, all the called him had, so. I mean, right. All this guy had was this entitlement idea of, well, I have a right to say whatever I want to say you for know, as the long as I want. In my hand, and uh, it, it, yeah, it was he definitely needed to go, and he wasn't. It was so weird. There was this one part where he said, "Are you going to bring my daughter back?" That was really weird. And Jeremy just said, "Listen, I'm sorry. Like I said, I'm sorry about your daughter." But this isn't the time or place. And And it's also like, it's just, yeah, the whole thing was so weird. Like, it's not like he didn't kill his daughter. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's like almost like he's just because he's not an anti-vaxxer doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that he's responsible for your daughter's death. Like, I mean, obviously, that's a horrible, terrible thing. If it really happened. I mean, this guy's clearly insane. So I hate to now that this guy actually doesn't have a dead daughter. I mean, he seems and I and I hate to be like, oh, this guy's a fed. But he totally did kind of seem like a Fed, and I would not be surprised if this entire story was fabricated, hmm. and he was... I, I have no clue, Who but it, it seemed strange. I mean, in order to get free estaters to be cheering on uh, RFK, they, I could see it being an angle. Um, but apparently they already were, well, so... I, I don't know how many were like real free estaters. We saw videos of the lines of people going in. Definitely not most of them were free estaters. I mean, it's hard to say. I don't know who all the free staters are, so I can't I can't speak to it. I would say that I did not recognize many people in that line. I didn't recognize any people in this long video that Jeremy Kaufman posted of it. Where were you when RFK uh, was speaking? <laughs> Me? Yeah. I was at a sound bowl meditation. Oh, okay. So you didn't see so, the lines. You didn't see no, any of the... No. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, I really don't care about any of that stuff. And it was actually funny. Um, Someone, like, came up to me and some of my friends and was like, oh... We're going to protest RFK because he wants to take our guns away. We're going to like do this whole angry libertarian thing. And we were like, mm, sorry, man. We're going to go uh, to the sound bowl meditation and not be angry and super toxic. And we're just going to... I mean, if somebody wants to go listen to RFK speak, if, if there's... I mean, there's something to if he's able to get enough numbers and people actually care about what he's saying, they should be allowed to go see him. 
And honestly, I also think if he doesn't feel comfortable with people being armed, he has, I guess, the right to say, no, you can't bring a gun. And then if you don't like that, then be somewhere else with your firearm. Like, I don't necessarily see huge problems with these things. I think we should all be able to kind of do whatever we want to do. So I didn't, I wasn't interested in any of that. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go teach my yoga class and like do soundball meditations and, you know, learn about herbal first aid and stuff like that. Like, that's what I want to do at Porkfest. I believe that RFK should have the right to set that as his um, conditions for coming and speaking at at a place. But I also believe that the Pork Fest organizer should have the wherewithal to say, never mind, then don't come. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it's ridiculous that they're acting like it's some kind of a thing that's going to help us out, that we need RFK there. We, We don't need RFK there. I think it's ridiculous. No, it brought the quality of the... I think you pointed this out earlier today on social media, Bonnie, that it brought the quality of the attendees down because if this guy who was on the stage at Soapbox Idol was a big RFK fanatic, that's probably the reason why... Was it now? Why he was there? Yeah, it's probably the reason why he was there. I don't think and it was the same day. And why he didn't... Day. Like, I mean, he didn't seem like he was really... I mean, he was definitely being aggressive. Like, I just don't think yeah. he seemed like a principled person, clearly. Not even close. Not even close. So, like, you know? maybe that guy wouldn't have come if it weren't for RF- RFK yeah. speaking. How many right. people who were at the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year would not have known about the event and would have had, a, would have had zero interest in the event uh, if it weren't for RFK speaking there? What number of attendees were brought in? <laughs> By this particular speaker. And I'm not just picking on RFK. Also, Vivek, who's Vivek, a psychopath yeah. and wants to uh, have a hot war in Mexico against the Mexican cartels. Again, these are these are types who are not going to be attracting libertarians to the event. And Porkfest should not be an event for converting people to libertarianism. I'm right. sorry. It shouldn't I, be. I, so, if anything, that, that's not going to convert people. Just because Vivek Ramaswamzi is... Uh, they're speaking doesn't mean that uh, Revex supporters are going to come and then find out about libertarianism and change. I think the they thing might. that would change their minds I doubt it. would be a bunch of libertarians from New Hampshire talking about what's going on with them and maybe even giving just like basic libertarian like ideology they, talks. They might like change that. their minds, but not that weekend. You know, it's not going to happen right there and then for most of them, if it ever happens at all. I think they're just going to be there cheering on uh, the VEC or whatever, but 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Talk radio that you control. If you want to get on the air with us, uh, the call-in number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, you've got me, Bonnie, Nikki. It's Ian. And I just want to say I just heard about Madonna, and I'm really sad. What about her? Apparently Madonna is in the ICU with a terrible bacterial infection after being found unresponsive. And I'd like to wish her, uh, you know, I hope she gets well soon. I love Madonna. And I am not ready to lose her. I, I know she'll die in my lifetime, but I don't want her to die right now. Yeah, but isn't she like an Illuminati tool or something? I ignore that part. <laughs> <laughs> because I love it's her okay music so much. It's okay to like so her much. music, right? Yeah. And well, I also like her. She's so cool. I, I don't know. I, I only know about Madonna's music, but I am a big, like, 80s Madonna fan. So I do. I do agree. 
if Madonna was evil, then how come watching her music video Frozen on DMT was a life-changing experience for me? <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think yeah, that I would be able like to send something bad for her. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I just wanted to say that about Madonna. I think we're, ba- we're basically done talking about Jeremy Kaufman, but I did want to say something that we kind of brought up during the break is pretty important to me. Um, I think that the Free State Project is getting, you know, kind of a weird popularity contest with all this RFK stuff, and Nikki was uh, sharing the same sentiment. I just think that it's not important for us to be popular among people who don't like us. The point is, become popular on your own merit. If you believe that your beliefs are good and more people could come to your side, quote unquote, you should be able to get popular on your own merit and throw your own event that's all about you and what you believe Mm -hmm. and not have people who are popular for being bad psychopaths, but popular nonetheless there to try to get some clout. And I just really don't like that. Well, and that's how... Porkfest started, right? And and I don't want it to be like some libertarian purity contest. Like, I don't think it needs to be that serious. But I do have some legitimate concerns because with the past couple of years, like previously there, from what I know, there wasn't really any issues with violence or theft or anything like that. And, and I know last year some locals came in. They heard, though, there's a big party and they kind of like vandalized some things. So that wasn't really actual attendees of the festival Mm -hmm. but i mean this year someone like hit a guy in the head with a crystal and like there's just been some things that weren't happening in the past and i think if we kind of like if pork fest and like fsp stuck to their roots a little bit more and didn't like wasn't trying to appeal to these like republican conservative types and I, I think we wouldn't really have as many of those issues. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there was a ton of issues at Porkfest. I actually think this year I stayed pretty much the whole time. I think this year's Porkfest went really smooth. Um, there was only a couple incidents. Like, for the most part, uh, it went really well. Most of the events went really, really well. Like, I do think it was a great success. And I always have a great time at Porkfest. So I'm mm-hmm. not really trying to say anything too negative about Porkfest. But... I think they should reel it in a little bit more with try with the popularity contest stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's not every year at Porkfest that the pie station that leaves their money box out gets stolen from, uh, and somebody who's a libertarian mm-hmm. wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, and Mikey last year had his cash box stolen, and and that's part of the like appeal of a libertarian society is like yeah you can have a cash box out and like people will just pay for things like you don't need to monitor your stuff and worry about people stealing. Like I've been to a lot of festivals, certain music festivals, you have to lock up your stuff. Like you need to worry about people stealing from you. And that's something like in libertarian communities, you don't have to worry about because people have principles and they believe in property rights and they just believe in overall being a good person. And I would just really hate to see any of those sentiments getting watered down. Like I want Porkfest to stay like a really safe, like happy, fun family festival um, that's free. Yep. Uh, I bring it up in in relation to the Jeremy thing because Ian kind of asked us the question, like, do you think it's okay for Jeremy to call the guy a loser? And Carla Garrick, uh, President Emeritus of the Free State Project, if I'm saying that right, Emeritus? Emeritus? I'm not sure. Emeritus. 
was one of the people that had to hold the guy back. This mm-hmm. guy that was totally out of line and Jeremy Kaufman kept calling a loser and effing insane and all this stuff. Um, and I think she was actually him. trying to take the mic from him and she did successfully get the mic away from well, him. Well, she put on Twitter that she was holding him back with all her strength and she said the words, I kind of think the guy would have been justified in punching you in the face, Jeremy. Oof. Oh, no, 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 no. Words never justify no. um, physical attack. I, I am shocked that unless she said that. Th- unless it's an actual threat, as we Of course, earlier. but I right. mean, Jeremy wasn't threatening him. No, he just and, called and him a I loser. Do, and I do kind of get the point, okay, if this guy's being crazy and he's like kind of starting to threaten aggression, um, maybe egging him on. Not might the not smartest. Yeah, might, yeah. might not be a good idea. idea, but that's not calling somebody a loser isn't grounds to physically assault no, them. That's it's definitely insane. Not. It no, just, I mean, Jeremy was pretty far away from the guy. I mean, the guy was angry. There's no doubt about it. There were multiple people that were kind of trying to corral him, it looked like. But I don't think Jeremy was really in danger of being attacked by him. I mean, Jeremy's behind a table. He was probably at least. Uh, 10 feet away from the guy, at least based on the, the camera angle that I was looking at. So he didn't like come at Jeremy. He, Jeremy, Jeremy never like, even got out of his up, chair. Yeah, like to like be aggressive or anything like yeah, that. So I don't think there was an actual threat of violence going on here, but there was a crazy person and you never know what a crazy person yeah. who's angry is going to do. Yeah. And I only bring up what Carlos said because it's just kind of like this idea that people need to be completely whitewashed in, not say what, the, you know, we need to look good for the public. Like, I think that Jeremy had every right to say what he had to say. And yes, he can't control people looking at him badly for what he said, mm-hmm. but that's the libertarian perspective on speeches. You should be able to say whatever you want, and you also can't control how other people perceive you. If somebody doesn't like that uh, Jeremy's behavior, they're welcome to that opinion. Well, they wouldn't have liked him anyway because he doesn't like vaccines. So there's a lot of people that are just going to be upset at him simply because he doesn't like or sorry, he he does like vaccines. So he was pro-vaccine. And so the people who are anti-vaccine are going to be upset about that regardless of whether or not he called the guy a loser. I mean, I'm kind of glad that Jeremy said what he said because and I'm I'm kind of anti-vax. Like I'm not completely anti-vax, but I, I do think it's important because I don't want things to become like an echo chamber. So it's mm-hmm. nice to hear someone say, no, I support vaccines. Yeah, we don't all you know, like agree on this thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's sometimes a good thing. Yeah. You know, and he should be free to share his opinion. And it's, it, I think that's an important thing to point out. And we do it a lot here on this show when certain issues come up, like libertarians don't agree on abortion. This is one of the issues where they disagree. They don't agree on intellectual property. Uh, this is another issue that uh, libertarians have long debates. And, and the Porcupine Freedom Festival is a great place to have those conversations, whether it's on stage or around a campfire. There's a good chance you're going to find people to have these you know, nitpicking uh, issue discussions and at the end of the day, go home and not be mad about what the other person said. Because generally, the libertarian view is that we don't want to force somebody. So you can be against vaccines or you can be for vaccines, but the libertarian view is whatever you want to do with your body is up to you. You want to put a vaccine in it, that's your body, you do it. If you want to never have a vaccine in your kids, again, your choice, your family, we're going to leave you alone for it. So that's why you can end a conversation at Porkfest with somebody who has a vehemently different viewpoint about an issue and still be friends at the end of the day. Because, Lisa and in violence. Right, because you know that that other person agrees with you on 98% of everything else and they're not going to force their vaccine 
uh, or their abortion or their, you know, whatever blank, fill in the blank viewpoint on somebody. So I think that that's one of the things that really sets this community apart. And that's another reason why these politicians shouldn't be allowed to speak from the main stage. I'm not saying that, you know, if they are invited to speak by one of the other hubs at Porkfest, which Again, for listeners that don't know, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is an event put on by the Free State Project. It's a summer camping festival. The Free State Project has a main stage, and they have like a couple other tents on the the main field that they program. They decide what goes there. They decide who speaks on those main uh, featured locations. But in the park, in the Rogers Campground, there's literally dozens more locations where other things can happen. That have absolutely no uh, determination on what the Free State Project does or thinks or says. They don't. They don't get to control what happens on the free uh, Free Talk Live campsite, for instance. So Aria Demetso, one of our co-hosts, wanted to do a trans story hour. Didn't really work out. She tried to, and I forget what happened. Essentially, nothing happened, as I understand. She couldn't find any drag queens who were willing to appear or whatever it was. And she didn't but want to fin- end up doing it herself, so she didn't do it. She said she was willing to do it herself, but I guess you know it just fizzled out for, for whatever reason. But anyway, so it didn't work out. Sometimes things on these other campsites can be very popular, sometimes not so much. So if there's some Republican who wants to have Vivek come and speak... Or if Vivek himself wants to buy a campsite I think and set he up did. his own little, well, he had his bus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it was really ugly. Um, <laughs> it was huge. It was, yeah, a big So eyesore. obnoxious. But, uh, but if he wants to have his own little campsite and have his own little speech there, then fine. I don't, that to me is completely, I mean, I'd prefer he not be there, but I don't care. It's on his site. He can do whatever he wants in the same way that Body Freedom Village can be naked on their campsite and the Christians can have themselves a prayer circle on their campsite. None of those things happening in the campground are a direct reflection of the Free State Project as a movement like the main stage is. And so to put one of these politicians, or in this case, more than one, it was, I believe, Vivek, uh, RFK Jr., Larry Elder, who's another Republican running for president. And I think they were going to have Tulsi Gabbard, but she canceled. And then there was some other, I think, Republican guy that showed up whose name I'm not recalling at the moment. But uh, they had at least three or four of these national level politicians who are not libertarians, who do not espouse libertarianism, who are not going to be converted to libertarianism. They're not going to they're not going to show up at Porkfest, get asked some tough questions by the crowd, which I hope they were. But, you know, it, that's the best that we can do is just yeah. ask some tough questions, which, of course, they'll ignore and or, you know, slime around and not directly answer they did. as, of course, they're you know likely to do. And uh, and then at the end of the day, they'll kiss some babies and shake some hands and they'll move on to their next speaking event. And then we have to, you know, we've got the ick of politicians all over the event because of this and the problem of their uh, followers and their sycophants showing up who also don't believe in liberty, who also are not likely to be converted because they're true believers in this one politician. So, like, what's the benefit to these people. I gotta say, I just think Forkfest is gonna be a lot bigger next year with yeah, we'll them see. I hope so. vowing to not let Mikey in and um with all this crap that they're gonna continue doing with, you know, politicians. Well and the, stuff the, like the that. good news the politicians are done next year because it's not a presidential primary. So all those politicians who are so interested in us they're not going to have any interest because they're all gonna be wiped out by the time the next Porkfest comes because the primaries are gonna be all done. 
by that point, I think. I'm pretty sure they don't go through the summertime. If if they do, they're not going to be focusing on New Hampshire because New Hampshire happens first. So Vivek's not coming back. RFK's not coming back. Good. Larry Elder, he's not coming back. The best. Yeah, yeah they didn't turn into the libertarians and decide they're going to come every year. I know. No, no way. The, the only thing that's going to happen in 2024, which is why I said 2024 is already going to be a better year, because these people who just want to pander, the people who are just politicians, will not be there in 2024. At best, the Libertarian nominee will show up. And you know what? That's fine. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't mind if Gary Johnson or Joe Jorgensen or whoever it is that gets the Libertarian nomination comes and speaks from the main stage. I, I still think that it should be... Only free staters who speak from the main stage. I just that's how I would program it. If it were me, I would only that actually does make sense. Yeah, I would only have New Hampshire libertarian activists, not not per se free staters. If you're a native, you can be up yeah. there too, right? But you know, if you're a liberty activist here in New Hampshire, you should be on the the main stage. We should be highlighting the cool stuff that's going on here in New Hampshire, the great activism, the great people that are here, and then you know, put the politicians somewhere else, somewhere where they're welcome, because I think it's a a big detriment. Well, that's all I really think we have time for talking about the Free State Project tonight. I mean, Porkfest tonight. Let's go to the phones. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name, caller? Epicurus. 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 What's your uh, topic tonight? Well, it was about Porkfest. I don't know if you want to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. yeah we could talk ahead. about Porkfest. I meant us just, you know, rambling about, you know, what oh. we think about Porkfest. We've kind of talked about this for the last like month uh, us but i want to hear what you have to say about it okay um yeah i so i was there right before pork fest um during pork fest and the, the setup there um it was kind of sleepy and not, there wasn't really much going on i think everyone was like, sleeping off the long drive before preparing for for pork fest um but uh i had a question um you know it's, it's on everyone's minds and i know it's all been you know talked about death but it's, it's still really a big issue um I was wondering what's what was going on there at the, at the Free Talk Live tent. There was a, a progressive pride flag there. Uh, that, what does that mean to you guys? What does that flag represent? Because to me, it represents a lot of authoritarianism. Um, I think to me personally, I mean, it was Arya's flag, but to me, the pride flag just means supporting LGBTQ rights, you know, just supporting people's right to be gay or trans, whatever they are. Yeah, I, I just think it's weird that the idea of progressivism is just all tied up with it i think all it means is we support your right to be proud of who you are even if you're one of these minorities i mean it it doesn't necessarily imply all these things that it seems that a lot of people assume it implies like what does it imply you know um i don't think it has to even apply egalitarianism it's just you know we we support you here if you're Somebody who's usually marginalized. I got the impression that, that it was trolling on behalf of Aria DeMezzo, who was, um, you know, obviously frustrated by the Maj Tour situation, as all of us were, where this man was threatening violence against uh, drag queens who might be, mm. uh, you know, committing the act of reading to children. Uh, this man was going to assault them. I don't think that Aria would have posted that flag. If there wasn't such this sort of anti-trans, anti-gay uh, fervor coming from certain people from the conservative side, I don't think side. it was 100% a troll. Like it's not like I think she actually hates the pride flag and no, just I'm not put up for no that. reason. But she did. But she that. did say she was kind of trolling um, conservatives. I don't she think did she would have put it up otherwise. No, she wouldn't. 
And typically, so, Aria has historically kind of been critical of like Pride Month and stuff like that. Yes, I believe I've heard that. Um, so to you guys, you don't think the progressive Pride flag represents intersectionalism? It doesn't represent racial issues as 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 well as sexual orientation, as well as all these other things. No, represents an ideology. I, why, why is it progressive, though? I, I just think that it's a rainbow flag. Like, you you can add whatever ideas you want onto it. And maybe the person who made it had certain ideas, but things take on different meanings. And it's not like, I don't know, everyone who uses the Christian fish isn't somebody actually hiding from Caesar. That's what it originally meant, isn't it? I mean, now it just means, ah, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I, you could be a Baptist. You could be a fundamentalist. It, and they're all going to use the same Christian fish. Well, and sure, and uh, you know, and what it, what it, what it represents what it represents in the course of history will be determined by history and time. But I think if you look, if you look closely at it and look it up a little bit, and I believe I have the name of the guy that made it, Daniel. Uh, I think Daniel something or Gilbert Baker uh, may have been the one. I think Gilbert Baker made made the original LGBTQ uh, pride flag. I'm looking it up at clearintheworld.com right now just uh, describing this can you do me a favor epicurus and just back off your phone it's kind of grating there's a really loud uh distortion going on uh i believe daniel didn't really help I, I just think ultimately it doesn't matter who, like I said, it doesn't matter who originally made it or even if he meant it to be progressivism, however you want to define that. It's it's just Arya can put it up and if you talk to her and think she's a progressive, then you're dumb. Not saying you, I, well, Epicurus. I, I, I think that. I'm not saying you, Epicurus. I'm just saying that it, you're acting like everybody has to, uh, who puts a pride flag up, has to believe the same things about it that the man who first made it uh, believed. No. And I mean, you don't have to so believe that. Typically, all the pride flag means is that either someone, usually what it means is either someone is like gay or trans or whatever, some some form of LGBTQ+, or they are supportive of those people. I think that's like the most common understanding and like definition of what the pride flag means. Um, but I don't think any of us at Free Talk Live was really taking it that seriously. Right. I think Arya huh. just put it up because she kind of wanted to do a little bit of trolling, but also kind of just show that we are in support and spe- of those sort of things, and or or at the very least, don't care what other people do. You know what I mean? Right. And well, speaking of, leaving- as Sorry, far as uh, just using things only to mean what they originally meant or whatever. What about the word progressive? Because I consider myself a progressive. I'm someone who believes that humanity should continue in an upward evolutionary pattern and not stay stuck in uh, traditions and things that could hold us back. That's what that word really means. And now it has this connotation, I understand, that means like a left-winger or a socialist and all this stuff, but it doesn't have to mean that. Intersexualist. Intersectionalist woke person. What is intersectionalist? Let's define woke. I'd like to know what intersectionalist means. I've never heard that. So it's it's an ideology called intersectionalism, in which the in which I think the term may have been coined by Robin DeAngelis in her book White Fragility, but it's 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 a an ideology that I actually saw forming uh, as I grew up in Oregon, and it's 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 a the faith based I would call it a, a, a secular, uh, a secular non-theist religion in which it 
it engages in censorship uh, to shut down what it calls hate speech, is anything that's not uh, approved. Um, and the whole purpose of it is is to find a new type. It's a, it's a victimhood. Uh, it's a creed of victimhood. The whole purpose of it is to find more and more marginalized people and to grant them even higher social status and more political power based on their victimhood. And again, so, this is just a, a, a thing that you're adding on to the definition of progressivism. So do, can't you see I'm my point? I'm progressivism. What? The only, only, the only reason I said progressive pride flag is because that's what it's called. It's called the progressive pride flag. I don't care what the name is. I'm trying to be specific so we know exactly what I'm talking about. But it may be part of a greater progressive political something. I, I don't care. But my understanding is every time I ever see organizations of people, the groups, and, and uh, collections of people that have the uh, intersexualist talking points, there's always that flag around. So that's why I'm associating with, with that. I can't think of a better representation of intersectionalism, otherwise known as critical race theory, uh, than that flag. Well, you no, asked I, us a question, and I mean, we, we answered the question about what it means to us. And yeah. the main point about that I have to say about it is, you listen to the show. Epicurus is a longtime caller. He went to Forkfest. He knows that we're, I mean, the beginning of the show, we were talking about how stupid egalitarianism, victimhood mentality, uh, anti-hate speech uh, laws are. Like, what's the point? It's like, and he believes that anytime he sees that flag, that those people have to have those ideas, and I don't. And my point is just that that's not true. So, Free Talk Live. Radio that you control. 603-283-6160 if you want to get in in this last half hour. 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie, Mickey, and Ian. And let's go right to the phone. We have Sarah from New Mexico calling. Sarah, what's on your mind? Yes, um, so our city... We're going to be putting in uh, three more speeding cameras actually on state highways going through Albuquerque. And because uh, I've been working on this for years. <laughs> are they going to so, actually just like, aren't they going to just cut them down again, Sarah? I, I, I thought everybody was okay. Okay. The, they never paid, never went to court and the, after three of them, their license, they all got their license back. Our governor decided to let them drive to go to work and pick up their kids in school. So I don't know what the penalties are and why we're putting on three cameras. And uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited because these were the Coors, Alameda, and their state highways. And, and then they kept the speeding cameras off of those state highways. I feel like I'm having deja vu right now. Yeah, she talks about this all the time. And also... That's too bad. She had a good topic last night. She didn't seem to answer my question because I I asked her what's going to happen. You know, isn't what's going to happen just somebody's going to go cut them down again? Because Sarah's called about Albuquerque, New Mexico getting red light cameras before and people go and cut them down. Well, I I think they um, they have them up high now. I, I I don't know if they're supposed. Uh, they got they're gonna have like they have seventeen. A they got they're gonna have. 
Yeah, I I don't know if they're gonna do all that. I I don't know. I have they're, they're the only one that cut them down because it was only like six um, by eight feet. Now they put them up like really high. But uh, the problem was that their license. There was a committee that revoked their license. The people three, that cut it down, or the, or the people who went through the red light cameras speeding. Okay, these people, this is not the red light camera. This is uh, speeding cameras only. Whose license got revoked? You were saying there was a committee that revoked a license? Right. Okay, when they, they, okay, there was a, uh, in the roundhouse that that after three speeding camera tickets or speeding traffic tickets, either by the police, Mm -hmm. the license should be suspended. And what happens is they repeal all that. They all got 308,000 people that got their license suspended. They all got their license back. So right, my, right. So, uh, yeah, you had called about that before. And I think right. that's good news because that ex- basically means 300,000 people in New Mexico can go back to work. They don't have to right, rely on somebody else that, to give them a ride or deal with uh, public transportation. Maybe that doesn't go where they need it to go or when it needs to, when they need to be there. So now they can drive again. 300,000 people, which is literally like a tenth of the population of New Mexico. Well, that's why they did it, because uh, they're like, you know what, well, we got these, we couldn't, we didn't go to court, we didn't make it, but we can't take our kids to school, we can't go grocery shop, we can't go to right. work, I mean, so therefore, they got, but then, my, my question is, why are they putting up three more speeding cameras Cause they want uh, revenue. within the city of Albuquerque when they got their license back? I mean, what what's the penalty be at? I'm still... Revenue, it's money, at- they want money. It just sounds to me like Sarah's so shocked that her speed light, or speeding cameras aren't actually doing anything i mean i feel like we told her this like six months ago though they're yep. making money no, that's I, what they're gonna no. do they're not gonna keep people they're not off stopping the people from speeding obviously right. and no, they don't they care about safety or any yeah they want you to speed right. so they can ticket you well thank you sarah i feel like i'm having yeah. a stroke uh listening to that <laughs> yeah um Ian she has- had a good call last night though at least i don't know i feel like i want to talk more about the flag though real quick i okay. mean because it seemed like it was really offensive uh to that caller and i'm glad that he called about it right because Like, that's the appropriate way to handle the situation rather than, like, silently fume about, Mm -hmm. oh, how dare they put that intersectionalist flag up when most of us don't even know what that means. Right, I mean, but the Uh, thing is, we did answer him and he just went on about what the flag means as if it matters to us. I also think it would have been better to, because he said he was at Forkfest, to maybe ask, like, Aria. Yeah, why not just (laughs) ask them? Exactly, because she was... At the Free Talk Live site, the majority right. of the time, and she, it, it was technically her flag that it she was, put up. Yeah. So, and obviously, I mean, I didn't have an issue with it, but um, I didn't really but, care because, sh- like, I, I look, I get the, uh, I get the viewpoint that, like, how many f- colors can you put on this thing? I understand yeah. that. I understand that perspective of okay, how inclusive can this one flag become? Because they keep adding. Uh, bars to it, right? Yeah. They keep adding. Now they're like slanting them different ways. Yeah, there's and, just so much, yeah. and it, it's there's getting crazy. There's like an crazy. infinity sign on it now. It's yeah, really. Like, it's getting yeah. you know, it's it's getting pretty crazy. So I like I get that viewpoint, um, and I get the my, the. my favorite pride flag is definitely the regular rainbow one. Yeah, why isn't and that it, good that enough? It's supposed you know? to include everyone, right? Because not- it's the yeah. rainbow, right? There- like it's literally the visible light spectrum. Okay, yes, it's divided into colors, but you understand that the rainbow is the whole spectrum of people. That wasn't that good. Why wasn't that good enough? So, like, I get the point, 
But I'm sure the same people would have been upset if there's just normal rainbow yeah, flag exactly. uh, would yep. have been up there as well. Because it means something more to them than it might mean to the person who put it up, who simply it just might mean to them. We just want to be inclusive. We just want to welcome everybody to uh, to this site. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add about it. Yeah, I, I don't know what intersectionality is still. I, I looked at yeah, the... Yeah, it wasn't a really good uh, explanation I've of it, it either. I've had it explained a million times on, on different uh, YouTubers talking about, like, feminism back in, like, 2016. That was, like, a huge topic. And really, it means whatever you want it to mean. It basically it basically means, like, feminism... In the, in the terms of feminism, it means you can't just be purporting or promoting rights of white women you need to also um make sure you're intersectioning that group as in like feminism should be for all races of women but the thing is it seems a little unnecessary and it does seem to purposely do the thing that he's saying like oh women it it goes from just women are marginalized and we have this issue uh and we need women to have more rights to oh, well, you're not marginalized enough because you're a white woman. We mm-hmm. are now yeah. digging in deeper. And it's definitely part of that. Um, he was talking about a victim mentality. It could victim definitely, mentality. I, I just have the Wikipedia pulled up here, and it's just trying to read the statements. My eyes sort of glaze over, and it gets very difficult. I'm going to give you, ladies, the uh, just the first paragraph here. It's relatively short, maybe like three or four sentences. And tell me if you can make heads or tails out of this, okay? Intersectionality is an analytical framework for understanding how a person's various social and political identities combine to create different modes of discrimination and privilege. Intersectionality identifies multiple factors of advantage and disadvantage. Examples of these factors include gender, caste, race, sex, ethnicity, class, sexuality, religion, disability, weight, and physical appearance. Well, I understand what it's saying. It's it's saying basically what I'm saying. It's saying like, yeah, you may be a woman and we're feminists here, but you're not, up, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, oppressed enough because you're a white skinny woman. A fat black woman is more oppressed and that that's basically what it is. Mm. The, these intersecting and overlapping social identities may be both empowering and oppressing. However, little good quality quantitative research has been done to support or undermine the theory of intersectionality. This I is just, like what somebody would learn in their like in college. Um, you, well, yeah. in yeah, like if they're like studying like gender studies mm-hmm. or something. Totally. Like, I just couldn't imagine like researching that. Like it's out of all of the so things boring. you could spend your time to learn about, like this is what. I, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's just awful. To and me. the thing is, it's just all opinion. It's like right now, there's yeah. this big thing. Like I follow like Pariah the Doll on Twitter, and she has lots of trans friends that bring up the idea a lot that it's totally fine among like the worst type of online uh, leftists to talk badly about white gays. Like you can call white gays the f word. I don't know if I can say on the radio. Yeah, I don't know either. But um, you and that's totally fine amongst these people. And like, in fact, they will go off on it. And oh, my God, I've seen some really terrible just things. Just like doesn't even make any sense, though. Yeah. Like, you know, it, like, yeah, it makes no sense at all. It's just like if, if you're principled, you should believe like all people have rights and mm-hmm. that's it. And I just don't get yeah. this. All this cutting it up. All it does is seem to divide people. And sure. the thing is the 
the white gays are not taking the black gays' rights from them. The government is. The government is taking everyone's rights from them. It also just feels like a waste of time, kind of. Like, if, if Bonnie and I were to sit here and try to decide who is more oppressed... Like, that doesn't feel like a positive or uplifting thing. Like, no. that doesn't feel like a useful use of our time. Who cares who's more oppressed? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's let's do something better. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I mean, let's end all oppression. Right? I, I yeah, absolutely. Answer, I can answer this right now. Ian, the person who's being literally persecuted and prosecuted by the government, is less oppressed than Nikki and I, who aren't, because <laughs> he is a male. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A plus, Bonnie. You passed. You passed, yep. <laughs> That's basically all it means. Here's your gender studies degree. <laughs> and obviously people who would be saying things like this on the radio are not the type of people that Epicurus assumes would have that type of flag. And I'm sorry, it's just I don't think people should go around making assumptions about people just because they see a flag. You should go out and meet them. Yeah, actually have a, ask, ask them. them a question. Well, I'm glad that he called in to ask, but like Nikki said, he could have also did that at pork fest and asked aria or yesterday when aria was on for last night and yeah asked aria is that yesterday two days ago i think whatever yeah two days ago uh studyfinds.org reports that new research reveals many people who cheat still deeply love their partner or spouse yet show little regret about their behavior according to the story here in an era where societal norms are constantly being redefined and examined A recently published study on infidelity throws a spotlight on the complex psychological nature of extra-relational affairs. Researchers at Johns Hopkins University uh, delved into the minds of users of the website Ashley Madison, which you may have heard of. Hmm. Uh, It is a notorious dating platform. I think they had like a data leak a long time ago that reveals insights or sorry, it's designed for those seeking affairs. So the people on Ashley Madison you know are people who are currently have a relationship and they want to cheat. Uh, the, res- the results reveal insights that challenge longstanding assumptions about why people cheat, opening a Pandora's box of fresh questions about human behavior with intimate relationships. A study, which they call groundbreaking, is one of the most comprehensive investigations of its kind, unearths a number of paradoxical findings. Perhaps the most striking is that many of those engaged in extramarital or extra-relational affairs reported harboring strong feelings of love towards their primary partners. This seemingly contradictory behavior uncovers a puzzling puzzling intersection of emotional (laughs) attachment and infidelity, suggesting that the reasons behind unfaithful behavior are far more nuanced than previously understood. I don't understand cheating because, like, just be poly, you know, Mm -hmm. and I guess, like, not every partner would be cool with that, but that's why it's probably important to have these discussions before people get married. You know, like, if you're a very monogamous person, then... I don't like I and it's just like these topics are kind of like taboo to talk about like you're not supposed to like ask these questions on your first date but I think it's kind of important to like yeah because being I I think there's nothing wrong with being poly and I think if more people just accepted that as like an acceptable form of relationship I think there'd be a lot less issues the thing less is though um, yeah I don't know if I agree with that I mean maybe mm. it would be less cheating having been someone who's been in open relationships in the past 
Uh, I'm currently not because it didn't it didn't work. I thought it would be a good idea because then people would be more honest about how they're feeling. It's like if you're thinking about you want to be with somebody else, well, you, we can just talk about it rather mm-hmm. than you having to hide it. But as it turned out, the people who I was within uh, poly relation or, or open relationships with were not actually open at all and actually still cheated in the so-called wow. open relationship, even though they could have been honest. Yeah, that's they so chose strange. Not to be. And I don't know if it had to do with, like, the excitement, right, of, oh, you might get caught. I guess that could be it. I just, it's tough for me to analyze this and, like, to think about it because I just, like, don't, like, none of that resonates with me. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't relate to any of that. Right. Like, for me, if I wanted to leave my partner or, like, if I wanted to be with somebody else, I would just leave them. Right. You know what I mean? Or, like, establish an open relationship. But I guess, like you're saying, that doesn't always work out. And I have seen, like, some people who... You know, we're married in a happy relationship and they're like, oh, let's do something like fun and spicy. Let's, you know, open it up and either do like an open relationship or, you know, have a, a second wife, a, you know, a poly relationship, something like that. And I've seen some like long marriages get destroyed mm-hmm. because sometimes it just overcomplicates things. Uh, and for some, you know, for some relationships, it works. But I think typically a monogamous relationship is like the least complicated and... I, I think it comes down to, one, um, the excitement, like Ian said, for cheating. Some people think that it's exciting to, like, almost get caught or whatever, mm-hmm. which is just, I feel like you'd have to be a psychopath to yeah, think that's like, fun. Yeah, gives me anxiety. But <laughs> I also think that it has to do with cowardice, because it's like, in the situation where Ian was in relationships, which they had already decided, if you want um, to be with somebody else, just let me know, and they couldn't even do that, it's like... You're just that a coward. Sure, yeah. You just you don't want to, you know, just have this conversation that bad that you're willing to cheat. So what else did they find here? They revealed in this research that individuals can grapple with moral consistency, endorsing values that ostensibly prohibit infidelity while simultaneously engaging in affairs. They say here that in popular media, people who have affairs have an intense moral guilt, but we don't see that in this sample of participants, said the people who authored the study. Uh, in a statement, they said ratings for satisfaction with affairs was high. Sexual satisfaction and emotional satisfaction and feelings of regret were low. These findings paint a more complicated picture of infidelity compared to what we thought we knew. The demographic study was primarily middle-aged, predominantly male users of Ashley Madison. While this skewed sample does limit the ability to generalize the findings across different genders and age groups, it does provide unique insights into a demographic that has been less frequently studied in the context of infidelity. So the research involved an analysis of responses from a cohort of active users of the Ashley Madison site. Groups A, B, and C were the samples They were given either one or two different questionnaires at separate periods of time or asked to complete both of them. So then they give some of the numbers of how many people were involved. And we're talking about hundreds and hundreds. So 810 in sample A, 868 in sample B. So, you know, this is a fairly large uh, study. And uh, the surveys asked questions about their relationship status, quality, satisfaction, intimacy, and conflict, as well as about their self-esteem, life satisfaction, sociosexuality, and motivations for having affairs. And then in the second survey, they asked more questions about to those who had admitted they'd had an affair about how satisfying it was emotionally and sexually, whether they regretted it and what sexual behaviors they'd engaged in with their affair partners. 
Participants reported not having an affair were given uh, reasons for this, I guess. Well, if they're on Ashley Madison, aren't they supposed to be having an affair? Well, just because you're on the site doesn't mean that you've succeeded, right? And actually finding yeah, a okay. woman that's, that's going to have sex with you. Okay. Because, uh, again, these are males, right? So we know that on dating websites, males kind of take whatever they can get. And women get the, the top tier choices from whatever they want. Uh, though through careful data analysis, researchers were able to paint a vivid picture of the motivations and sentiments experienced by those engaging in infidelity. Despite maintaining significant emotional bonds with their partners, they indulged in these affairs and derived considerable physical and emotional satisfaction from them. Not only did they experience pleasure from being unfaithful, because why else would they do it? I mean, if it was, if it was unpleasurable, then they would presumably stop. But they also expressed minimal remorse or regret over their actions. And uh, again, this again sort of goes against the sort of standard viewpoint. I totally believe that because I've had like some coworkers that would cheat all the time. Like this one lady had a whole entire burner phone. And you knew about it. Yeah. Okay. Why? Well, yeah, she had a whole, and she was open about it to everyone wow. that worked there, obviously, except for her family and mm-hmm. her husband. Whoa. But she had a whole different phone that she would use. She was. The cheater phone. She was wow. sleeping with a lot of guys. She would meet oh them at God. the restaurant and like go into the parking lot and do things. <laughs> oh like God. she was wild, but, um, but she had no remorse. She was just like, I'm a sex addict. I'm not attracted mm. to my husband anymore. Oh, man, this is just what I do. And she was very open about it. Uh, I I think her husband even might have, like, known. I mean, Mm. she because she was being very open about it. And then there was another person. Yeah, like, how could it not have gotten back to it? Exactly. Um, And there was another guy I worked at 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 that same restaurant. And he was constantly cheating on his wife. And it was the same thing where he was just like, I'm a sex addict and I don't care. And he had no remorse, and yeah, it was crazy. I wonder if that's what these people are in this, I this study. I think another thing it could be, I've already said that it's uh, psychopathy and uh, the excitement and cowardice. Another thing could be just a self-fulfilling prophecy, because I have a good friend I love very much, and I think she's a good person, but she's cheated so many times, more than anyone else that I know, on in different relationships, not anymore. She's with a guy that she loves, and I'm very happy about that. So it's like it's finally stopped. Hmm. But everyone she ever dated that before that, know. she cheated on. I mean, well, maybe she wouldn't tell you. She would tell me. Okay. Um. But anyways, she used to always say, "I just, it's I'm just such a bad person. I just cheat on everyone." You know, she would mm-hmm. say that, and it's like, yeah, that's kind of a self fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Like mm-hmm. I just if you say it, it's true, right? Yeah. I, and if you've been saying it since you were 14, might be true. So, or might make it true. I mean, apparently, uh, interestingly, despite their cheating ways, participants still displayed a high degree of love for their partners and even made substantial efforts to improve their relationships and uh, reported high personal life satisfaction. There are typically factors that would encourage fidelity, but they coexisted alongside of their infidelity. Notably, sexual dissatisfaction was identified as a prominent motivation for pursuing affairs, meaning that they love their partner. Maybe they've even got kids with their partner. They've been with this person for 20 years, but they're just not getting the level of sexual activity that they maybe used to or had the expectation that they did. And they've just gone elsewhere for that. It obs- uh, the observation underscores the idea that satisfaction in a relationship and desire for extramarital experiences are not necessarily mutually exclusive. The author study uh, the study of the 
the author of the study, uh, notes that uh, people have a diversity of motivations to cheat. Sometimes they'll cheat even if their relationships are pretty good. We don't see solid evidence here that people's affairs are associated with lower relationship quality or lower life satisfaction. They also uh, delved into the realm of consensual non-monogamy. So polyamory, I would guess. I mean, this is all coming from the side of the person who's on Ashley Madison. We don't know mm-hmm. that the person who's not on Ashley, the one that's getting cheated on, isn't perceiving some kind of lower quality in their relationship, whether they know about the cheating or not. Yeah, yeah because it kind of does feel like, oh, you can get your cake and eat it too. Like, oh, you can sleep around and you have this like, you know, loving relationship to come home to. And, you know, this wife or husband that's like taking care of your kids and whatever. I just don't see how it'd be possible as a woman to be being cheated on and not be sensing something. A lot Mm. of women, so, and I've seen cases where someone will try to be a good friend or whatever and be like, hey, I know your partner's cheating on you. Like, just wanted to let you know. Either, you know, whatever. If, like, they will present concrete evidence. Like, here's a text message, a photo. And they're like... They would never do that, and they mm-hmm. you, like you can give them li- literal evidence, and a lot of people will just deny they won't it. See it. Whoa. Yeah, they just because it's they just don't want to admit it, or they don't want to believe it for whatever reason. Because it would destroy their what they perceive as their whole life, or like their relationships, their mm-hmm. whole life. Yeah, exactly. If that if this is true, then it's going to destroy my whole life. So I can't accept it as true. So that is, I it's think, crazy. a lot of people are kind of just lying to themselves. Like they'll know deep down inside, but they either they just. They want to pretend it's not happening, so they just ignore it. Well, sad. I, I believe everybody can get to a place where they deserve... Um, I mean, everybody deserves to be cared for by other people, but you don't necessarily deserve a loving relationship if you aren't willing to work on yourself. But I believe everybody has the ability to get to a place where they deserve a loving, uh, committed relationship, or what? maybe not committed, if that's what you're into. You know, like a poly relationship, <laughs> I guess. But um, I, th- I think it's sad to believe, like, I just can't do any better than this guy that's cheating on me when you aren't agreeing to him cheating on you. And uh, all you have to do is work on being okay, being now, alone. Obviously, they know that it's not going to be um, popular with their spouse because that's why they're not telling them, right? Right. So. Or it's part of the allure, like the excitement, you know, mm-hmm. even if, like, maybe their spouse would be, you know, forgiving or okay with it. You know, that would kind of ruin, you know, part of the the excitement, I guess. Well, that's just sad and freaky. And I don't like it. But it goes on, and I guess those people have every right to live in those kind of weird relationships that they want. Like, I wouldn't say that Ashley Madison should be taken down by the government, but anyways, it's, this has been Free Talk Live. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to be on tomorrow at 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark ward now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in new hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime our friends at porcupine real estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by new hampshire citizens reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. 
These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupine Real Estate.com.